get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Tuesday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Plenty to talk about here in St. Louis with my guy Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. BT joining us for the Cardinals slash Blues Power Hour because we are going to get into some Blues news. But what's up, BT? What is up, fellas? Look, the Blues are moving and shaking right now. Jamie, what does this all mean? What is happening? <laughs> well, if you're just tuning in now, if you haven't heard, the St. Louis Blues have made a big trade. Uh, they've traded uh, a sixth-round pick. I know that doesn't usually spark the, the the words big trade. Now, Jamie, Tom not. Brady was a six-round pick. This is true. This is true. Never um, played hockey, though. No, he didn't. But Army traded a six-round pick to acquire Kevin Hayes from the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's really an incredible deal because the Flyers are willing to eat uh, 50% of the salary. So he's a $7.7 million player that you're getting for half price. And now you've shored up the middle of the ice for yourselves. So really masterful job by Army. And at one point we thought this would be, uh, this could be hung up by the fact that Tory Krug would not waive his no trade clause in order to make a bigger deal happen. I don't think Army's done here today, or in, at least before the draft. I think there could be other trades happening. Heck, there could be other trades happening with the Philadelphia Flyers still to be determined. But guys, Kevin Hayes comes to you. Uh, he's a big body, plays a 200 foot game. He's six foot five, two twenty. Plays power play, penalty kill. In a bit of a down year last year, still made the All-Star game. He was still an NHL All-Star last year. 54 points. He's a 60 to 65 point per season guy for the Blues, and you can play him in every situation. And with that big body at 6'5", he protects the puck so well in the offensive zone. I would love to see him and Pavel Buchnevich on the line together. I think those guys down low in the opposition zone would just be a nightmare to deal with. All right, Jamie, so I'm going to ask you point blank. It sounds like you like the deal, but great deal for the Blues, good deal for the Blues. We'll see. This is a really big deal. It's a great deal. The center ice position, as you know, I mean, it's a it's a big responsibility. You traded away Ivan Barbashev, who was a center slash left wing. You traded away Ryan O'Reilly. You traded away Noel Achari. You were powerful down the middle of the ice last year until the trade deadline. And then you ended up playing Pavel Buchnevich at center, which Buch did fine. He did fine. He's not a centerman. So now you go and get a number two centerman that you, who knows where, if it's Schenner or Hayes that plays second line. To me, it doesn't matter. Now you've got Thomas, Hayes, Shen down the middle of the ice. Shen and Hayes are big guys, play a full 200-foot game. Robert Thomas, he has the ability to play 200-foot game. He did it two years ago 
really solid player. He needs to get back to it next year. A little bit of a tough season, not just for him, but a lot of guys defensively last year. And now you end up with you have a fourth line spot available. And quite honestly, boys, if I'm Doug Armstrong, I'm waiting and I'm talking to Oscar Sundquist. Sonny's still in town. Heck, he's at the St. Louis City SC games. He's partying with people. He wants to be a he wants to be in St. Louis. He needs a little bit of a reclamation season to reset the market for himself. I would drop in a $800,000, $900,000 contract for Oscar Sundquist and now look at the middle of your ice. You want to talk retool in a hurry? That does it for you. So what else does this leave now? And if you again, if you're just joining us about an hour ago, the Blues made a trade for Kevin Hayes of the Flyers. He has three years left on his seven-year $50 million contract. The Flyers will retain 50% of the deal. He registered 18 goals and 54 points in 81 games during last last season for the Flyers. And he's going to add some scoring punch, as you mentioned, Jamie. It's, it's always important to be be solid up the middle and that's uh, Doug Armstrong even though even though we talk we spent a lot of time talking about the defense and the defense does need to be addressed at, at some point we'll see what other moves Doug Armstrong is going to make here it doesn't mean that you put all of your focus on that in the offseason BT it's kind of like the Cardinals and well they need pitching yeah they need pitching is there other talent that can help oh you got it you're fine. You're fine and you got it in house. <laughs> Dude. Anyways, Jamie, when it comes to the blues, it, it doesn't mean you don't just because you have one area of need or one area that, uh, that that is a weakness, doesn't mean that you don't upgrade your roster in other positions, especially an impactful one like like the center. center no, I agree. center spot. So what this does though is if for some reason, if for some crazy reason Army cannot move a defenseman. If he can't tinker with the blue line at all if he's just like what you see is what you get he's already improved the team defensively by acquiring a guy like Kevin Hayes and then heaven forbid you acquire another guy like Oscar Sundquist to come in you talk about defending as a five-man unit this is how you do it so you want to help your defenseman down low you get a big body like Kevin Hayes six foot five big dude plays good defensively good stick in the defensive zone Ideally, I think Army would still like to beef up the blue line in some capacity, get a little bigger, maybe uh, a little more defensive-minded for a certain player. But if you can't, because of these no-trade clauses, if you're stuck going back into training camp next year with basically rinse-repeat, you've already gotten better defensively because of who you've added today, uh, let alone who you might still add. And then also, don't forget your goaltenders. you got Hofer and Bennington, so things are looking up. So where does this leave the whole Krug situation, right? Because his name was floated around this uh, this deal, every single deal. Like, how how is that thing going to end up shaking out, Jamie? It seems like Army's got his hands full with the situation, got a ton of cash there in Krug. What is that? I mean, bust out your crystal balls, Jamie. What are you seeing <laughs> in these things? Well, BT, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, look, the Tory Krug situation's a weird one right now. He guy has a full no-trade clause, and he exercised it. He said, no, nah, I ain't going. Uh, you you signed me. You gave me this clause. I'm using it. So I told these guys, told Anthony yesterday and, and the listeners, the only thing Army can do is try to orchestrate a trade where a third team gets involved and you kind of move Krug to Philadelphia. Maybe they retain salary, move him on to another team. I heard the Islanders have poked their head into the mix here a little bit. But if all that goes south, Army still has the ability to just wave him. 
Because it's a no trade, not a no movement clause. And so Army can get Which very... Which he's been a stickler with, right, Jamie? He, he does not like to give out that no movement clause. And for reasons just like this. I mean, if everything fails and, and he's just completely unhappy with the whole situation, he can put the player on waivers and odds are someone's going to pick him up and then the player doesn't have a choice at that point. So the no trade clause gives the player a choice. So if Army says, hey, give me five or six teams you would go to, the player can pick. If he says, hey, by the way, I just put you on waivers, the player has no choice. Yep. Now, will it get to that point? I don't know, because that would make – the temperature would go up for sure if Army ever exercised that option. Um, but, you know, it, it is a crazy situation right now where you have a player that is – you know, digging his heels and saying he doesn't want to leave. And we had this yesterday, BT. It was pretty funny. One of our texters said we had a we had a player that demanded a trade, and the the city adored him. Now we have a player who wants to be here, and we want to run him out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Get out! It's all it's all depending on the situation, right? You know, that that is uh, that is a fact. Sports are weird, aren't they? And, and the emotions that we have. Drop that toasted to rav and get out. Yeah, beat it. We don't need you anymore. I know you guys got into this the other day, but, uh, well, you know, just for me or anybody that wasn't listening, like if you're out there trying to make a move for Tory Krug, how desirable of a piece is he at this point, knowing that he's making good money, six and a half million dollars here for the next, what, four years? Yeah, it's, listen, last year is not the only that it's not the only season Tory Krug's played in the NHL. And it wasn't a great year for him last year. He had some injuries. And the team overall would, would like a do-over a do over from last year. But he's had a really good career. Yeah. And he, he's also had a very steady career on the power play to where he's, I think he's in the top five guys in power play points in the last 10 years when it comes to defensemen that are quarterbacking a power play. So he is desirable out there. The The, the the price tag is maybe a little steeper than teams would like to go, but there are some teams that would absolutely take him. So I don't think that everywhere you're looking is a dead end. The problem that lies ahead of you is that the player has to view it as not a dead end. So if Army finds a dance partner in, you know, Seattle for whatever reason, Seattle wants to spend up the month, spend up the money and, and bring in Tory Krug. If he says no, that deal's dead yeah. at that point. So you keep trying to find a team that can accommodate the trade that the player wants to go to. And if all else fails, at the end of the day, you either welcome that guy back at training camp or you wave him and see what happens. That's Jamie Rivers. We got Brad Thompson in for the first hour of the show. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 212. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. What is the state of the Cardinals following the London series? We'll get BT's thoughts on that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time to play the lineup game in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, our guy Brad Thompson, is with us as well as the Cardinals open up a new series against the Houston Astros, the struggling Houston Astros, by the way. We won't talk about the Cardinals' state of things. We'll just focus in on the Astros, guys. They're Who's struggling. been better in the last 10 games? Cardinals. 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 Yeah. Not even close. Actually, it's close, but not, I mean, it's better. What are the Cardinals? Four. Five and five. Five and five. Astros, yeah. three and seven. Three and seven. <sighs> yeah. Wow. 
Brian this be for a the taking, guys. Stop. Brian for the struggling. Yeah, they got a bum on the mound too. Like that's the thing. They have got well, some donkey that nobody's ever mm, heard of. Mm. Probably got an ERA of like twelve. Ooh, no, uh, that's Framber Valdez, and he is yeah. the ace. And uh, no, Brad, he is. Um, he's pitching well, as he often Boy. does. Yeah. I'm gonna have to do some more prep work. Yeah, you're gonna have to maybe take another peek. Yep. Good thing I'm uh, just on pre and post tonight. <laughs> You'll figure it out. We'll shorter, shorter segments. You'll be good. All right, so Framber Valdez is a left-hander. Now, BT has avoided the lineup, so he's going to play today because normally he gets the lineup first, and he knows, but uh, he's avoided the lineup, so he's going to play a lineup game today. I'm well, in today. Last time a southpaw was on the mound for the the opponent, the Cardinals led off with Tommy Edmond. Mm. So I'm going to – my my thought is Tommy Edmond. Anthony, I like your thought. BT? Wholeheartedly agree, Tommy Edmund. Show us, Tommy Edmund. But right now, I'm going to need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going. All right, good start. Uh, Jamie, yeah. if, if you would. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, please. I love gold. With right. a lefty on the bump, this is either Wilson Contreras or Nolan. Yeah, that's a good call. I don't know. Last time he went Nolan here with Contreras cleanup. Right. But he did go Contreras before at the three spot and left Arenado at four. So mm. it's like a coin toss. A real Stalter's choice. Nope. Not that at all. Uh, Jamie, what's your what's your read? Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker at three? Uh, boy, what a pivot. <laughs> yeah. It's either Wilson Contreras or Nolan Arnado. Let's that go. was me taking any test in high school. Like, I had anxiety. It's one of these two. Ah, this one. <laughs> or this test is trying to fool yeah. me. This is stupid. Yeah. Fool me can't get fooled again. Exactly. I think Jordan Walker's at fifth at uh, the five spot still. So, Jamie. All right. Out of. So, you're saying Walker? No, I'm not, Anthony. I was joking. All of a sudden, you take me seriously. BT, what are your thoughts? I got uh, Arenado at three. I, I'm sticking. I'm going with my my best punch two three. All right, fine. Marshy, please show us. Nolan Arenado. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh wow. He doesn't get his sounder. What I, happened? I, I kind of forgot about. Well, Marsh, go ahead. He went zero for four on Sunday. Got a hit to get your sounder. Yep. I mean, he was trying hard. I don't know if there's yeah, anything doesn't count. baked in there for effort. What did Dunk used to say about effort, BT? Well, uh, I know Papa Dunk said he could get somebody out of the stands to try. <laughs> I need you to do. Yeah, <laughs> similar. Chris Chris used to say, I can get a truck driver to try. I need you to do. <laughs> Love it. All right. Um, so, Wilson Contreras here. Guys yeah, cleaning up. Big Willie. He's been hot. Yeah, he should get a sounder. If we're right about this. Wilson! 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 All right. Now I think it's Walker. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's, why would you mess with it? Show us Jordan Walker, please. Walk it like I talk it. Talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Hey. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. You. Yeah. All right. Is this Dylan Carlson? It's got to be. That's kind of uh, where they've been going with this, right? Go for it, Jamie. I agree. All right, show me that copy and paste. Hey, Carl, good to see you. All right, here we go. 
All right, so what are, what are we looking at here now? Well, we got Polly D, we got Donovan, and Newt. If those guys are all playing. Um, yeah, last time I think against Steele, it was Newt after uh, after DC, I'm pretty sure. Guys, I'd like to retract that uh, sounder. Dylan Carlson didn't deserve that one either. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But okay. he was not in the lineup the other day. Saturday, did not get a hit, went over three. All right, so it's just a bit of a warning shot. Yeah, just a okay. warning shot. Yeah. All right. You're on, uh, you're on notice. Okay, so Newt. I'm do, okay with that. Oh, that that's, need, what, that's what it was last time. Well, to Jamie's point about copy and pace here. Uh-oh. Well, you need another corner outfielder, but it... So Donovan would be second. But yeah, okay. All right, I'm in. Show us Newt, please. Hold on real quick. Oh, oh, oh. Do you need another corner outfielder? You've got Tommy you got Edmund. You've got Walker DC. and Carlson. Well, Walker's well, are DH. Are those DHing? Walker's okay. Walker would be Come on, DH. Okay, that makes, that makes seen more sense. that guy's defense? Come on. I have. <laughs> All right. So okay, let's do it. Show us Newt. You are so wrong. <sighs> is it Donnie here? Donnie. Get that DeYoung bump? <laughs> I think DeYoung is your... I think DeYoung is eight. So who's here? Maybe Don, Yeah, maybe Donovan playing second? Yeah. I like it. Show us Donnie, boy. All right. Way to go, Donnie. All right. So he's... I'm assuming your second baseman. Now DeYoung. Now the king. Show us the king. The king is gone. Oh, yeah, there okay. it is. That hurts a little. A little bit. Yeah, but we're here Marsh, to motivate BT. Yeah, Marsh does it because normally when he plays it, DeYoung goes Yabo. No, I get it. All I right, so it. this so this is Newt. This has got to be Newt. There it is, in my opinion. Yeah, let's run it. Show us Newt. Sorry, guys. Yeah, right. What the hell is it then? Kisner, probably. Oh, my God. Are we after, doing after a travel day? It's Kiz. In London? It's Kiz Daddy. So, Contreras would be your DH walkers in the outfield. Oh, boy. If it's not nude, it's Kisner. All right, go ahead. Show us Kisner. So, and it took. Well done! <laughs> All right, Marsh, run it for us. All right, gentlemen. So, leading off for your St. Louis Cardinals, we have Tommy Edmond, who is in center field, batting second. Oh, no. Where did my thing go? Well, Marsh, typically, you know, when well, you look down, it should be right there. Take a little peek there. It's a little cold in here, but still. <laughs> batting second, first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt. Batting third, third baseman, Nolan Arnato. Batting cleanup, the designated hitter, Wilson Contreras. Batting fifth in left field, Jordan Walker. Batting sixth in right, Dylan Carlson. Batting seventh, second baseman, Brendan Donovan. Batting eighth, the short stop, Paul DeYoung, and batting ninth, catching Andrew Kisner. Go fair, go fair! I don't believe what I just saw. Home run. All right, let's play the home run derby, Marsh. How about you update those standings, kid? Yeah, Jamie, four, Anthony, three. Dan is at three. Wow. I'm at one. BT, I believe you're still at zero. Wow. We can change that today. BT's going to get on the board first. Or B- he's going to get on the board. BT will have more than me by the end of the year. Oh, wow. I'm already good about that. Okay. I like that. All right. Uh, BT, why don't you get on the board tonight? Go ahead. You go first. I have to pick tonight's game? Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, 
You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go with uh, the young Jordan Walker Ooh. to lift and separate. Somehow he's going to get – you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a Framber Valdez. It's going to be a cutter that, that he tries to get in on the hands of Walker, but he makes a mistake over the plate, and then he goes nice and easy over the fence. Uh, I'm going Jordan Walker as my uh, pick to click for the home. I like that. All right, Jamie. Nolan Arnato. That's my pick. It's probably a pretty good call. I'll yeah. go with Paul the Goldschmidt. I see what you did there. <laughs> Give me Goldie. Marsh. I'm going to go with Wilson Contreras. Went four for four the other day. He's been hitting the ball really well. I think if we're just guessing, I think it comes late in the game. Gives the team a spark. And they end up picking up the W. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. Gosh. Wow. Okay. You even just created the whole story there. See, we're yeah. back on the... I, uh, I mean, I've been... Back on the stuff. I've been yeah. on it when it comes to predictions. <laughs> yes, you have. Wink, wink. He's been doing great. The ayahuasca has been fantastic. Yeah, it certainly has, but I'm glad uh, Roger sent you a whole case of that stuff. Yeah, All you right. did. We're going to get BT's thoughts on the Cardinals following the London trip. And much more with him in the next two segments here on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. As Andrew Marsh just said in the Sports Center update, the Cardinals begin a new series against the Houston Astros at Bush Stadium tonight. By the way, it'll be Jordan Montgomery who takes the mound. There was a, there was a little bit of a TBD situation because of the injury to Jack Flaherty, but the Cardinals say that Jordan Montgomery starts today against Houston. Miles Michaelis will start Wednesday, and then they don't know who's on Thursday, likely waiting to see, according to Katie Wu of The Athletic, clarity regarding the Jack Flaherty hip situation before making the decision. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stolzer, BT joining us for the next two segments. And BT, let's let's jump into it. What, what do you think the state of the Cardinals is right now? Did we learn anything about the London series after the Cardinals split? Are you on mute again, Did BT? Did you mute yourself yeah. again? Yeah, BT. You're so respectful when you, when you mute the, the mic, and now, here you go. I got to tell you, I'm back, boys. Um, <laughs> I got into it, too, and then as soon as you said that I was muted again, I said a couple of expletives, so thank God we that saw that on video. working. That, yeah. is, that is fantastic. <laughs> uh, good to test the equipment every once in a while. Sure so is. I got that going. No, I, I don't think the radio <laughs> equipment, don't think that we, uh, we learned anything over the yep. two games there in London. Like, it's... Happy to come out with a split after having a very ugly first inning on Sunday. You battle back. You get a victory. That's great. Wayno did not have himself a good day. Cardinals didn't have a good day on, on Saturday. So, look, you, you come out of there with no blood. You go 5-3 and three on the trip. But, no, like, I don't feel like you've learned anything about this ball club. Like, that might be the most maddening thing about this club to this point is – what have we learned? We've learned they've been wildly inconsistent. We've learned we see flashes of good things. We definitely have learned that they don't have the pitching to go for the long haul, but they you see bright spots and then dark spots and then bright spots and then a few dark spots. Like it, it, that's kind of what it's been and you could have seen that, you know, probably coming into the season. So look, if if I'm looking for a term right now when it comes to the Cardinals, I, I think Maybe stagnant? Stagnant might be the term. Yeah. Like, you're still eight and a half games back. And to me, 
the the really interesting thing is is not what this looks like at the end of the season not yet to me is what it looks like in the next five weeks to me the next five weeks are going to be so compelling because we're going to find out the shape of this organization the direction of this organization and what they think they are within the next five weeks before the trade deadline because you have to make some moves if we just stick with that word i used a minute ago stagnant if you're just still doing that and you're you're just uh taking buckets of water and dumping them out of this boat that keeps taking on more and more water you're for what for for what cause i i know mo had talked about uh during the london series to the assembled media basically said look we are not looking to tear down this team we're not looking to blow it up we're always looking for ways to improve the team which is a great way to look at it but the next five weeks you're going to be able to dictate if you're going to be able to improve this team from the inside out like that's the way that i look at it i mean how how do you guys see the cardinals right now wow uh, this is a tough one i i do think that I do think that Mo and the Cardinals have to be careful not to be a, too premature on orchestrating trades or, or doing for anything sure. right now. But I, I really feel for the first time, and I don't even know how long, like I feel like Mo's got to have a dry erase board in his office right now with the what ifs. Like if this team is still seven, eight games back in, you know, three weeks, you've got to start looking at who might we be interested in moving who are guys that we absolutely will move and who are guys that will take phone calls, but we're not necessarily wanting to get rid of them Mm -hmm. because I I don't see Cardinal nation as a, as a spot where you can do a full rebuild. Like John Mosaloc's going to have to try and do his best Doug Armstrong here with this retool. And look, army hasn't really done anything yet. He made a big trade today and he's still kicking the tires on some other things. And who knows what the blues do next year, but he didn't get rid of all of his young, great, high-priced talent and just go get draft picks and tear it all down. I think John Mosellock and the Cardinals have to be looking to do something similar if in three weeks from now or or getting close to the trade deadline, you're not any closer to winning the division. Yeah, it's but it, with Doug Armstrong, it didn't start today, Jamie, to your point. It started, it started at the deadline. He realized what he had in this team. He realized if they did make the playoffs, they weren't going to win anything of significance. And he, and he decided, what, who on my roster is now an asset that I can, I can trade? And it doesn't mean that the trades are going to work out. It doesn't mean the draft picks are going to pan out. But at that time, who on my roster can I move so that I'm better off in the future? And that is something that John Mozeliak is going to have to do over these next five weeks. BT, you had mentioned you know five five weeks until the trade deadline. If they catch fire, well, okay, now you have to reevaluate. But I think that John Mozeliak right now has to has to look at it and say we have stagnant is a perfect word. We haven't done anything. We're still eight and a half games back. I think a week ago at this time we were eight and a half games back. We're roughly an eight eight and a half games back two weeks ago. They have not shown me that they're a playoff contender at all. I know it's a bad division. doesn't matter. They're not playing well. So who on this roster can I look at and say, this this player is likely not going to be here next year. He's not going to help me next year. He's not going to help me two years from now. Therefore, he's an asset that I need to use to get, whether it's prospects or major league talent ready, that will help my roster next year. That's, that's Moe's, in my opinion, that is Moe's job over the next five weeks. Yeah, and the team dictates it, right? Like, that's the biggest thing. You get to find out. You, you get to say what the path is for 
maybe for you as an individual, I think that the guy on the mound today is a very interesting piece that other teams are going to be looking for. Jordan Montgomery has put together a very good month so far of June. Uh, he is a free agent at the end of the year. You know there will be plenty of phone calls looking for a starter like him. And by the way, the Cardinals are a team in the future that could use a starter like him. Actually, they probably could use about three starters like him because they have, Jamie, as you mentioned the other day, really one starter right now in Miles Michaelis and then a very expensive bullpen piece in Steven Matz, uh, who you know the, the hope is that he ends up back in the rotation, but you don't know to what end or, or at least what it's going to look like in the future for him, how productive he ends up being. So um, it, that is, as a team, like, isn't that something that you would rally around? Isn't that something that, like where you say, look, fellas, this is on us. What do we want this to look like? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the hard part is, guys, I don't think it's for like sake of trying. I don't think it's for like sake of like, ah, we, we just, we're not motivated enough. They just haven't been good enough. This has yeah. been a, a, a subpar defensive club. It has been a, a, a bad pitching club, and they, they have hit fairly well, uh, but oftentimes not at the biggest time. Like when you're looking at it, that is you don't have a one piece. Like if you went out there and Anthony, we, we all know what the, the package looks like. Yeah. Okay. When no I doubt. say that, I do mean for hmm. a potential deal mm-hmm. for a potential deal. Oh, for yeah, a that, trade. That makes sense. Yeah, Either absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be prospects involved because mm-hmm. it always is when it comes to you. But let's just say this fantasy land. Okay. You landed a big fish. You landed the biggest fish in the pond, and you put Shohei Otani on this team. Don't know how you did it, Anthony. That was a hell of a collection yeah. of prospects because you, know you didn't did even touch. You didn't touch your major league team. Golly, you're good. Thank you. You're going to get an extension. Yes. If you land Shohei Otani on this team right now, where they're at, are you fixed? You're not. No, you're a hell of a, you're lot, a, hell better. Of a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see it, guys. I don't know about you, but you're no, you're not. You're not fixed, Brad. You're you're absolutely not fixed because it's a team. We've learned exactly. this now. This is a collection of talent right now. This is not a team. This is you've got Goldie, you've got Arnado, you've got you know Jordan Hicks has emerged as your closer, and boy, he's he has completely turned things around for you. His last four save opportunities. All saves. You, you've got Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmund, Jordan Walker. You've got a collection of talent. Right now, you don't have a team. Shohei Otani would be another piece. It gets you closer to building a team. It's a hell of a piece. A hell of a piece. But no, it, it, it's not. You're you're not complete yet. And Brad, to your point, I love what you said about. Wouldn't that tick you off? Wouldn't that? Wouldn't there be? Wouldn't your pride speak to you at that point? I've heard whether it's on the text line or other host or. Fans that have said this, they are wasting Goldschmidt and Arenado. For me, if I'm Arenado, if I'm Goldschmidt, I'm saying that ticks me off. Yeah, wasting me. I'm part of this, and every right, opportunity. And I think that's the way they look at. I'm them. sure they do because they they are competitive dudes. This is my opportunity. If I if I get a spot in the ninth inning and there are runners on and we're trailing, what did I do? Yeah, wasting me. I'm part of this team. So for me, building off of what you just said, BT, there is that prideful moment for this team. This is this is the current team right now for for the next five weeks. What do you do? And I I don't even think that even if you were to you know get into it and you're six games back, if John Mozeliak still doesn't say I got to trade off some pieces here, but at least make at least make his decision difficult. For sure, for sure. It's that's that's the biggest thing is 
try to put together some sort of momentum. Because whether you whether we want to look at this, uh, whether it's fair or not, and, and as you mentioned, the way that the Cardinals are playing right now, Anthony, it really doesn't hold as much ground. Like, this division sucks. Uh, do, do you really believe that the Reds have enough pitching depth to stay in first no. place? Do you really believe that the or, – or be right there nipping at the heels? I think they're a half game back today, the Brewers. Do you think the Brewers are going to hit enough? No. Do you think that the Cubs are a complete team enough to be able to go from here and just run the wire? Maybe. Complete like team? They, no, yeah. but they, they may be more complete than the other – too. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. But but the, the thing is, when you look at it, like if you actually start playing some decent baseball, you are potentially a move or two. And again, with these are outside moves. OK, these are moves in the bullpen. This is a move to solidify a bench. This may be a move to solidify defensively. The Cardinals are not in a position to make a big splash at the deadline. If you are looking for an ace at the deadline, you might want to just bury your head until the offseason and then maybe keep burying it because a, a uh, ace is probably going to cost you a crazy amount of money. By the way, there's a really good piece at the athletic by ken rosenthal today kind of breaking down the cardinals and, and where they are and where they should be and kind of what they have done in free agency and what they might need to do at some point and the willingness or not so to do that uh, but i thought it was an interesting look at it but like you you have you have an opportunity here in a season that is all but lost early on to make a wave like i would love to see some sort of a push from this group to make it look like that's everything that they've got down the stretch for the next five weeks. That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. BT's with us for one more segment. BT had just mentioned the Ken Rosenthal piece at the Athletic. I want to dive into that a lot more. I think there was some there was some good stuff in there. We're going to get BT's thoughts on it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. Do the cards need to be bold at the at the trade deadline? Well, Ken Rosenthal suggested that very thing at the Athletic today with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter, and BT. You had just mentioned the Ken Rosenthal article, and before we get into what a bold trade would look like, BT, I thought it was interesting that Rosenthal. It, it it's not completely new a new thought, but he was kind of looking at the front office and saying, okay, well. You're not you, you don't go on wild spending sprees, fine, but you're not spending a ton. And then when you do spend money, your free agent decisions haven't been the best. What did you think about Rosenthal's over again, before we get into like what a bold bold trade looks like, what do you think of his overall theme of the article? No, broad strokes. I, I think that he he kind of nailed it. I mean, really, he also uh, you know he he didn't fail to mention like we often do when we're talking about some of these free agents. He didn't fail to mention uh, the great trades that happened and extensions also of your two cornerstone pieces in Arenado and Goldschmidt. Uh, but he is very right when you're looking at some of the free agent deals that have been given out recently. I think a little too early to judge the Contreras deal, but early returns maybe not exactly what you expected to this point. You look at the deal that Steven Matt signed, that's an expensive bullpen piece for a guy that's not closing games for you. Um, you look at Dexter Fowler, he mentioned Mike Leake, he mentioned Brett Cecil in there. There are a lot of other smaller deals for relievers that you could throw into that mix if you want. I feel like it's fair. You could throw Andrew Miller if, in, in mm-hmm. that group if you wanted to. wasn't the same guy uh, that he was before you ended up acquiring him. Like It's very fair. And the way that he characterized it in this piece at The Athletic, and again, this is Ken Rosenthal's uh, uh, thing that he wrote, is uh, that the Cardinals don't find themselves ever shopping on the top tier. 
And when you're shopping in that second tier, you better make sure you get it right. And he used as example a couple of starters last year. He used Nathan Avaldi as a guy that I know we kicked around uh, in, in the offseason as a guy that would be interesting. He was coming off of a down year with Boston. He signed a two-year, $34 million deal, and he's dealing this year. Michael Waka signed a four-year deal with the Padres. He's been dealing. Like uh, they, there, was, there was value to be added there. The Cardinals have been swinging and missing at that point. And then he also mentioned ownership, right? The, the ownership uh, mark where you spend enough to be competitive for sure, and it's important every year, but have shown the uh, inability is the wrong word, have not shown the the want to to spend over that. And the Cardinals, you know, last or at the beginning of the season had their highest ever opening day payroll. That put them at 15. Like it was in it was in the middle of the pack. So just because it's like the biggest for you doesn't mean you're doing what other clubs are doing. Look, the Mets. I'm interested to see tomorrow. Did you see Steve Cohen uh, put out on Twitter that he's going to end up having a press conference tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Can't see. Can't wait to see what that ends up looking like. Uh, but but to use them as an example, spending all the money in the world doesn't buy you anything. It doesn't. Like it's great, and you might might give you more opportunities, but it doesn't mean you're going to end up being a winning ball club. That's not always the answer. You have to be a very well run organization. But I thought the way that he categorized it in this piece of the athletic was was very fair. Like that they haven't made the the best moves in free agency and haven't shown the willingness to spend at the top side. So how do they change that? BT? They got to spend at the top side <laughs> or they have to end up nailing some of these free agents. I mean, it really is that simple, right? Uh, you can't uh, like if you take out, and I know the year was different, right? But you take uh, Steven Matz out of your rotation, you put Evaldi in. Well, you look a little bit better, right? You, you take out uh, whoever it's uh, you take out Contreras and put a, a different free agent catcher in there that, maybe is more suited for where you're at. Maybe you end up being a better ball club. Like you you can't have the swing and miss when when your upper end of spending, we'll we'll just call it $80 million, right? Like that's what you have when that's your upper end. Like you have to be right on that deal. You, You have to make sure you get the guy that is the best fit. And this is so easy to say playing a Monday morning quarterback after the fact, when you look, because I do recall that, Nobody had anything bad to say when they signed Cecil. That was an abysmal failure, and he was one of the most highly sought-after lefties that was out on the market. A lot of teams were in on him, and there was a reason he got that last year on the deal is because so many teams wanted to get him. Cardinals ponied up and did it. And I remember at the time, it was like, good, man. They went out and got their guy. Their guy sucked, and it was <laughs> that was not good. And uh, the, the, one, the Dexter Fowler at the time seemed too high anyhow. It seemed like he's coming in, and we're expecting him to just change everything. So you needed a center fielder, needed a leadoff guy. Uh, but that seemed like a, a bit of a stretch. The Mike Leak money was starting pitcher money at the time, but you mm-hmm. knew he wasn't going to be like an ace type guy for you. Like, and if Lance like Lynn the, doesn't get hurt, who knows? Right? That I mean, never happens, yeah. right? Yeah, you never you never go out and, and end up making a deal like that. So uh, it, it's again, it's easy to say, but Jamie, like the there really are the there's three options, right? One is what what they're they're actually trying to do, and every organization trying to do, but some are better than it than others is you're actually trying to build your core and your nucleus from within you're drafting you're developing so that's your you know right now it's your jordan walkers your nolan gormans it's tommy edmund it's brendan donovan like these are these are how you're trying to build your nucleus of your ball club and then the hope is that the pitching is knocking on the door whether that's libby or you know we got him via trade but it's recefo it's mc 
gravy. It's uh, Tink Hansen a couple of years. Who Tink Hansen, I'm sure you guys uh, are, have talked about or will talk about. He's going to be representing the Cardinals uh, in uh, the Futures game. Look, it, that's how you, that's number one. Like to me, that's what good organizations do. Very few organizations go out and just buy every toy, and that's how you end up winning. But the second answer is you have to spend big in free agency if you want to get a big fish. And if you're not willing to do that, you better rely heavily on the people that are making your decisions, and you better make the right one if you're shopping in the middle tier. So the people making the decisions is kind of where where I want to go with this is. You know, the Cardinals have been very comfortable in the lane that they're driving in for a number of years now. To your point, PT, and we started this segment was, you know, you're spending a good deal of money, still middle of the pack for the league, but you find guys in that second tier, you make a run for the playoffs, you either win your division or you get in as a wild card. But at this point, like, I feel like there needs to be a little bit of a shift in the thought process if the Cardinals really want to try and change, if they want to get out of their lane just a little bit, or do they just stay the course and kind of chalk this up as, well, we picked the wrong guys from the same bin. Let's go back to the bin next year, but pick the right guys. Yeah, I think that's a great question, Jamie. And I think that even like taking that to the next level, is what do the Cardinals believe their lane is? Like, is their lane like, hey, we spent more, but you're 15th in payroll? Or is it, hey, we are a top 10 spending team and we need to get back there even though that's out of our normal comfort zone? Like, is your lane since, like, is it strictly a monetarily you know, a base thing? Or is it, hey, this is what the spectrum of the league looks like. There's the haves, there's the have-nots, there's that middle ground. Where do we want to be? I think that's one of the biggest questions they have to ask. But it's my understanding that it was an eye-opening offseason for for ownership, I think, where they looked and said all this money that was thrown out there to starting pitchers, they found themselves sitting there like, what, what is happening? This is this is happening too fast. All these pieces that you want are going other places, making all that, that kind of money. Um, I'm really interested to see how they react this offseason when you have a significant need in your rotation. What are you like? What are you going to do next year? You're going to go at it with with Michaelis, Matt, and then is it Libby McGreevy? Uh, you're going to go give Woodford a run. Is Thompson back? Right. In? Like you can't go with three unproven stuff. No. Four unproven starters in it with, with a team that you think is going to win. So. Like you're gonna have to pony up for one of the big fish, and I just wonder if last year sitting there and watching this happen, and then realizing where you landed when it comes to spending, does that push them over the edge to make them want to make that leap? We're gonna find out. That's Brad Thompson, BT. Great stuff as always. We'll watch you tonight on the pre and post for Bally Sports Midwest as the Cardinals open up a new series against the Houston Astros. Hey, can't wait, gentlemen. It's always fun. It's going to be a tough week, man. There better not be any jet lag. You don't have time for that. You no. Got, uh, you got the Astros. You got the Yankees. Uh, at least the <laughs> Yankees. I got to be honest. I'm a little disappointed uh, because I want to see Aaron Judge, like, in person. But, uh, you know, he's hurt. So better for the Cardinals, I guess. Yeah. And when the Giants were in, we didn't even get to see Arson Judge. I, has that guy played no. at all? No, he's been on the IL. I think it's a phantom type thing. That's, I really don't think that he has a tough. real injury. Yeah, so we didn't yeah. get to see our so, Urson. We're not going to see Aaron. Yeah, not great. Burn victim, maybe. Yeah, maybe. BT, we'll see you, buddy. All right, boys. Have a good show. Thank you. That's uh, Brett Thompson, our guy, 2006 World Series champion. And tonight you can see him on pre and post for Valley Sports as the Cardinals host the Astros. We're going to get back into the breaking news that occurred earlier this afternoon. The Blues acquire Kevin Hayes from the Flyers. Jamie's going to tell you why he loves it next on 101 ESPN. We're right 
back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Today, the Blues said some breaking news. They acquired Kevin Hayes from the Philadelphia Flyers. Hayes still has three years left on his seven-year, $50 million contract. The Flyers will retain 50% of the deal. The 31-year-old forward registered 18 goals and 54-81 games last season. And all the Blues had to give up to acquire Hayes at a at a fraction of the cost. was a six-round pick in the 2024 NHL entry draft. Jamie, this seems like an outstanding deal and an opportunity yet again that Doug Armstrong did not pass up to make a deal, improve his club, and improve his club at an impact impactful position. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I like the deal a lot, especially at the price tag. You know, if you're making this trade and you're you're taking on the seven point one, I don't think I like the trade uh, because that would be that'd be a salary reserved for a number one centerman on your team. Kevin Hayes, he's not that, but that's okay. Now you got him at a discount, though, because I really think he's a number two center, which puts him at the five, five and a half million. We're only paying three and a half million for this guy. Uh, so I, I love the deal. If you look back at his point totals over the last you know handful of years, in, in 2018, 2019 with the Rangers, in 51 games, he had 42 points, uh, 13 points in 20 games that year with the Winnipeg Jets. That's after the trade deadline. 41 points in 69 games with the Flyers, 31 and 55, 31 and 48, and then last year 54 and 81. He has the capabilities of being a 60 to 70 point guy on your team. Now, will he get the opportunity to do that here in St. Louis? Probably. <laughs> He's going to play on your power play for sure. So when you get a guy like that who, and last year, I said it's a down year, it was his highest point total, but it was also the most games he played in one season um, for the Flyers. And, and, you know, you go back to even the year in 2018, 2019, he played 71 games and had 55 points. So that would have technically been his highest point total split between two teams. But last year with the Flyers at 54 points, he was underutilized too. He was in the doghouse from about halfway through the season on, you know, John Tortorella. Honestly, I don't even know how this guy still has a job in the NHL. Uh, Everywhere he goes, he just burns everything down around him. And for whatever reason, it's rinse, repeat. Teams just keep giving the guy another shot at coaching their club. And if you look at his track record over the last two, three teams, he's basically done the same thing. He's gone in there, upset everything, gotten rid of players and tore down players' confidence and all this stuff. And then, you know, he gets another shot. My point in that whole situation is that. Kevin Hayes got underutilized, and imagine this, Anthony. You make the All-Star game in the NHL. It's a pretty big deal. And John Tortorella talks to media, ask him about it, and I'll just paraphrase because I don't remember exactly what he said, but he basically says, yeah, I won't be watching it. That game's garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Yeah, like, how about you just take a minute and say, hey, you know what, congratulations to Kevin. Yeah, this it's not about the you. Other. Whatever, right? It's not, it, he made it about himself. And so those conditions made it difficult for Kevin Hayes to maximize his potential. I think Craig Berube is going to do the opposite for Kevin Hayes. I think he's going to have a great talk with him. He's going to tell him what the expectations are. I think Kevin Hayes is going to love 
playing for Craig Berube, I think you're going to definitely get the best version of him. So I look at a guy that's you know 200 foot player. He's not a Selkie Trophy candidate. So if you think he's coming in here, he's going to be Ryan O'Reilly defensively. He's not, but he's better than what you had in, in certain areas before. He will compete. He'll play on your power play. He's great at protecting the puck in the offensive zone. At six foot five, he's got smooth hands too. Uh, he's going to do a real good job with your lineup. I personally like him with Pavel Buchnevich because they can cycle the puck down low, protect the puck, drive the other team crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pair them up with whomever you want in your lineup. It just makes your roster deeper um, so that Doug Armstrong can get to work now and figure out what other areas of this team he wants to improve. Well, what? okay, so now that he's made this move, Jamie, what do you think he pivots to? I've actually got the draft tomorrow night. And by the way, don't forget Alex Ferrario is heading to Nashville to report live from the 2023 NHL draft. Blues have the 10th pick. Alex, T-Bone, they'll both be there at Bridgestone Arena tomorrow night. Special NHL Draft Live show that's going to be after our show. So 6 o'clock, Alex Ferrario live from Nashville. And that NHL Draft show is brought to you by Ron, the Wizard of Comfort, and Swiss Air Heating and Cooling. So beyond the draft, obviously, what now do you think he targets? What What area of the roster, or does it all depend on whether or not he can move one of these defensemen. I think there's going to be a lot of things that Doug's doing simultaneously. I don't think he's sitting there right now saying, boy, we got to focus on moving sure. this one particular player. Hold all the other calls. I'm not interested until we get this done. Right. That's it's not, not how it is. Yeah. It's not how it is. It's going to be a flurry of activity that's going on. I think Army's always looking to improve this hockey club. He's going to get wind of, you know, like today there are a number of players that were either qualified or not qualified. What that means is teams have the ability, when players are under team control, the team has to qualify them with an offer that's uh, league average or puts them 10% above what they made last year. Mm -hmm. So there's a number of guys that will be available that way too. You have to look at that pool and go, okay, who's available? Like the Blues qualified uh, McGing, Tyler Tucker, and Torbchenko. They did not qualify Logan Brown. So as of now or, or tomorrow, Logan Brown will be an unrestricted free agent. The reason I bring that up is just for an example that there's another Logan Brown out there type player like Max Comtois in Anaheim. He's a really good two-way player, big guy, physical. He'll bring that brand to hockey. Does he want to reset his market? So if the Blues go to him and say, we'll give you a million dollars for next year, you play on our third line, you know, does that work? So Army's got to dip his toes into the restricted free agents that weren't qualified He's got to look at the pending unrestricted free agents. He's also got to look at who's available via trade. And all of this has to happen before the draft tomorrow because using draft picks in order to acquire players is a big possibility for Doug Armstrong. And he has to get these trades done. Or he'll be sitting there tomorrow going, man, I still have the 24th and 25th pick. I really didn't want to be here right now. I mean, we'll make these picks, but sure would have liked to have made a deal and included one of these guys. Right. So there's so many different scenarios right now that are sitting in front of Doug Armstrong and his staff. And it's not like Army's sitting there alone with like 12 phones and he's going, he's got a whole slew of people that are working with him. The scouting staff is with them as well. The European scouting staff, who's available in Europe? Who's a kid that's not drafted, that had an excellent year in Sweden, in Finland, in Germany? And you're going, okay, who could be my next guy that I sign that you bring over here, like an international signing type situation yeah. for the Blues? So this is a busy time of year, especially right now when you're a team that is in this retool. Like last year and the year before and whatnot, it wasn't all that crazy because Army kind of knew what his roster... Since 2019, 
He's kind of known what his roster was going to be. The exception of Alex Petrangelo and David Perron, but he also he already knew that we're going to go right to the deadline. If we don't get these guys signed, we'll deal with it then. He didn't have to worry about trying to rebuild his hockey club at the same time as dealing with those guys. Mm-hmm. So when I look at right now, I think Army is going to look for depth up front. I don't think he's going to go look to find a ringer. Salary cap-wise, he's not going to be able to make that work. So he's going to look to add depth up front, and then he is at he, I, he is actively working to move a defenseman with a lot of price tag to him. So those guys would be, you know, the Lettys, the Krugs, the Falk, the Pareko. I believe Falk and Pareko to be uh, untouchable at this point. What I mean by untouchable, we'll put that in air quotes. If you offered me Leon Dreisaitl for Colton <laughs> Pareko, right. I'm making the deal. Yeah. So Scandella too. Scandella is well. Scandella's in play. Scandella's in play. Uh, Tory Krug, in, to my knowledge, is in play. I think Robert Bortuzzo is in play because you've got Tyler Tucker. You've got some of these younger guys that are going to come in and do a job for you. So it's it's a matter of Doug Armstrong figuring out, you know, what's my best move and how can I make these things happen. You better believe he's still going to work the phones and he's going to be talking to Tory Krug and talking to his agent. That that whole thing is not dead mm-hmm. yet. He does, and BK brought this up before. He's like, you know, he's got to get this done before the draft tomorrow. BK's not wrong. And I understand his thought process is if you're going to trade Tory Krug and you want to attach a draft pick to Tory Krug to inspire a team to trade for him, you have to do it before the draft. Absolutely. But you have to also know that Tory Krug will go to this team. So at this point, I think you're you're at the point in the whole process where if you're Army, you're like, listen, we really don't plan on bringing you back. Could you please provide me with a list of teams that you would go to? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you're going to paint me into a corner here, and I'll have to wave you. Yeah. Give me five. Give, Give me, me five seven. Teams. Because when you look at the NHL right now, Terry Crews is going to pick the, the bottom five and be like, <laughs> nope, not right. going to go with those. So you really, it's like the Vladimir Tarasenko list. When, when Big Daddy Vladdy provided him with every top team in the league that was up against a salary cap. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's easy. <laughs> You're coming off a down season and being injured right. and complaining about our medical staff and everything else here, and now you expect me to flip you to the Tampa Bay Lightning, mm-hmm. who have uh, $750,000 worth of salary cap left. So it has to be within reason. And I think that's Army's biggest challenge. Find a team to pair with the player. The player says yes. The money has to work. All of this stuff, it's very, very intricate at this point. It's high stress. I mean, Army doesn't have a lot of hair left to begin with. I can imagine it probably be in the last by the end of the week. I would, I would think so, too. <laughs> Jason Army, I'm in that club, too. Don't worry. You mentioned Max Comtois. It seems like the uh, the text line really likes Max Comtois. Maybe it's because of his uh, numbers in 2020 and 2021, a career-high 16 goals. And maybe he uh, can slot in. Former first-round pick. Yeah. Guys, former first-round pick. He is a big body. He does play physical. I've seen him throw the mitts down and get after it. He loves to finish his hits. So, you know, what did he make last year? Do you have that pulled up right now? What was he making? I do not have Cap Friendly pulled up. All right, I can go grab that right now and just to see if this is, you know, some crazy thought or whatnot. Um, But I will say that those are the types of players that could possibly be out there for you if you're Doug Armstrong and you're his scouting side. This is why pro scouting is so important now at the at the NHL level is because you're looking at players like that who can come in and help your team. Former first-round pick. There's obviously a tremendous amount of upsize. He's 6'2", 220. 
Uh, and I'm looking at his his cap hit last year was $2 million. You're not going to give him that. He's not worth it. His, te- his own team didn't say, deem him worthy of that. Yeah. So if you looked at a million dollars or 900000 for a guy like this to inspire him, tell him he's going to play third-line minutes, maybe that's a guy you circle to. That, that's Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stelter. It's the fast lane on 101 at ESPN. Uh, do we even, even understand analytics and what the uh, purpose of analytics is anymore? I, I don't think we do. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I got an idea. Go back to old-time baseball. It's about time to ditch all this analytical stuff. Well, we know how Janet feels about analytics, Jamie. Yep, We also We also know how our guy Randy Carricker of the opening drive feels about analytics because he takes uh, takes time throughout the course of the show and uh, point out how much he doesn't like analytics. Carrie got into it as well today. I was listening to the opening drive. And they don't like analytics? They don't like analytics, wow. Jamie. So, okay. Here's That's one. Here's, interesting. Here's one brief cut from today's opening drive here on 101 ESPN. Okay. 100% of players that aren't in an analytics front office are down on analytics and don't like them. And think that that's just no way to win. Why do you think that is, Randy? Because they played the game. Yeah, because they know. Because they were trying. They were trying to make baseball plays to win, and analytics does not lead itself to making baseball plays to win. It, to me, it's one of. I understand some parts of it, some portions of it. There are good parts to it, but majority of it, when you are basing your entire philosophy on what a number on a sheet tells you. It is a dumbass philosophy. Can I give you another point here? And this is not to denigrate anybody. This is just a fact, okay? If you look around front offices at analytics people, they didn't play. Yeah. It matters. That's our guy, Randy Carricker, Kerry Davis, Brooke Grimsley on the, the uh, opening drive. Uh, with all due respect, Randy, you're wrong. Randy's 100% wrong. He may be 20 years ago. That was the thought. But Randy has to imagine that all the players that are joining the big leagues now, football, hockey, basketball, they are all analytically driven. High school coaches are using analytics. And let me just clarify things here. When I say analytically driven, information is what young players want, Anthony. Why the hell do you think they have iPads in the dugout, on the sideline? On the hockey on the hockey bench, why do they have iPads there? Yeah, they want they want to look at everything in real time, whether it's a, a clip of a, a period, yeah. or to your point, some some statistical data that's going to help them. And that's the thing: analytics aren't all numbers. Right? Analytics are are habitual behaviors by certain players and certain teams and certain systems. You recognize on the video, there's an analytic that shows you that forty percent of the time, this goalie gets scored on top glove. Remember that guy? His name is Martin Jones, remember? Right, right. Well, that was an analytic, but, Anthony, let me ask you a question. Did the Blues score any goals that your top glove on Oh, him? God, no. No, not at all. A ton. Yeah, a ton. Why do you think they did that, Because they had the information. Do you think they were just in the game and thought to myself, wow, this is my best option here in the moment. I'm not thinking no, about anything. It's a strategy. Vladimir Tarasenko had a penalty shot. Where did he go with that penalty shot? Top glove. Oh, 
Why? Because the numbers support it. And then the video backed it up. Mm-hmm. So with all due respect to Kerry Davis, who's won a Super Bowl, I, I think sometimes we get hyper-focused on the little coat closet where uh, Buddy with the glasses and the pocket protector sitting there telling us how we're going to play the game. Right. This is how we're going to play the game. No, yeah. that's not it at all. That individual provides your coaching staff, the baseball guys, with the numbers that can improve the situation, the player, the team, you name it. Mm-hmm. And then the coaches decipher what numbers are useful to the process that they're going through. And then the players who are are born into this analytics universe from high school on utilize the numbers in certain ways to get better. You go back, everybody wants to go back to Tony LaRusso and Dave Duncan. Ask anybody who was around the Cardinals. Dave Duncan was one of the pioneers of utilizing analytics for his pitchers. And he used those analytics and told Tony about them. And Tony used the analytics too, but he did it in an old school way. So, Because Tony never said, well, the numbers say this. He said, we found something that works. Right. What was it? Well, we found out that this pitcher... You know, likes to throw the curveball. Oh, how did yeah. you know that? You know what old school is? It? Old school is it's it's Tony not telling the yeah. opposition exactly what they found. But you're right. Here's here's the thing. In I think that we have this this broad view of analytics now. We just throw the blanket over it. It it covers everything. It covers everything I don't like. Right. I don't like hearing about it. I don't like reading about it. So I'm just going to throw the blanket over it and say that's that's all of analytics and that's it. Right. Launch angle. Launch angle is not an offense. It's it's not like the run and shoot. It's not like Jamie, whatever offense, you know, there's there's certain techniques and schemes and offenses and systems in, in, in hockey, right? It's not a system. It's not an off. It's not the launch angle offense. But what do we hear from fans? What do we hear from, you know, certain media members? Uh, the launch angle, tired of it. Well, why is that, Anthony? Because we, we, we don't, under, well, because we don't team, fully understand but it. But the team discloses it. So to your point earlier about old school not talking about it, yeah. Now teams go, well, we'd like him to go down to the minors or not, you know, improve his launch angle. What? What? Yeah. Well, I don't want him worried about launch angle. How about just hitting the damn ball? They're okay. not going to. Jo- <laughs> they're not like. They're th- not going to Jordan Walker and saying to him, "You need to fix your launch angle." Despite the fact that we think that. It- they, do, they don't go to Jordan Walker and say, your launch angle's off, or your woe bacon. We like to joke about woe bacon. Your woe bacon isn't good. Go, go down to the Myers and figure it out. That, we have gone way too far on this. Analytics are this. It is a way to evaluate what we saw. That's what they're using. It's a way to evaluate. It's not an offense. But we liked it when Matt Carpenter was struggling throughout April, and Matt Carpenter went to get you know get some help. The one the one year it wasn't his final year; I think it was his second or third year. His last really good year with the Cardinals, the one that got him the extension. In fact, he was struggling throughout April, and he went he went to the coaching staff. You know what the coaching staff told him? Don't change a thing. You're hitting the ball in the screws. Here's the analytics. You're hitting the ball hard. Whatever other statistics they're looking at, keep doing your thing. And he turned it around in May and had a great year. They didn't go to him and say, you need to change the launch angle. We, we, we have gone off the reservation here with this. Well, a lot of things, too, here is, and we get a great text from the 636. It says, everyone thinks of analytics like Moneyball, where Billy is sitting there getting yeses and nos from Pete, the analytics guy. Unfortunately, right. that movie has tainted us yes. in a big way. It was a fantastic movie behind the scenes with a team 
that was no good, that had no money, and figured out a way to somehow be competitive. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it works in every clubhouse or locker room. And a lot of people here on the text line are still like, well, analytics should be a tool, not a philosophy. It, it is. They are. The problem is, is that they talk about it, right? Yes. And the broadcast talks about the analytics and the numbers and all that to support it. And they do that because it does paint a picture for you. It right. gives you an idea. When a player has bad exit velocity off the bat, what does that mean? He's not really squaring up the ball. Or we could just say, you know what? He's not hitting the ball very hard right now. Right. Pick your poison. How, how do you want me to communicate the information to you? Yeah. Do you want me to give you it in layman's terms? Or would you like me to give you in the analytics terms? Absolutely. Because both versions are being used at the same time. It depends on the player. So if I've got an old school player like a Jake Neighbors throwback, right? I'm not talking to him about stuff in analytical numbers. I'm telling him about him, uh, the feel for the game and why he's doing it. That's what I'm doing as a coach. So in baseball, if we're worried about a guy's, you know, his swing – well, yeah, your 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 launch angle sucks because you're you're literally Paul Bunyaning the ball. You're pounding it into the ground. Look, mm-hmm. here's how it is. Or I could just say you're de- you're swinging downward on the ball. Is it launch angle or you're swinging downward on the ball? Which version do you want better? If you're the fan here and you hate analytics, I'm going to say, yeah, he swings downward at the ball. Right. And he's not getting great rise out yeah, of the that's ball. That's old school. Yeah, but if I say ah, his launch angle sucks, and we're going to have him go work on, well, you're burying him with analytics, right? A hundred percent. And, and, and you, you bring up the Moneyball thing. You're absolutely right. So Moneyball comes out, and everybody's like, "Wow, it's really, it's really interesting how the how the A's did that." And then there's the, and then eventually, once it gets, you get too much, you get too much praise, and eventually, the the other group comes in and says, "You had all this pitching," and that's 100 percent true. The movie did not highlight the fact that you had Barry Zito and you had Mulder and you had all these stud pitchers, which is 100% a fact. But Chris Pratt was your first baseman. Right. Chris Pratt, he's fighting dinosaurs. You know, well, he's, he's helping the dinosaurs, really, is what he's, he's doing. Actually yeah. He could do anything. He's incredible. Second time we've Utility mentioned dinosaurs guy. now. Absolutely. But the Moneyball aspect, I'll give, you another, I'll give you another thing, too. When Kevin Cash lost the Rays, the World Series, by taking out Blake Snell, that was the death of like analytics from a fan's perspective. And it was a dumb move. It was a dumb move. That is a moment you say, okay, I gotta I gotta use the feel. But Marsh, what are you looking at? What are you looking at the Rays? They've always done it this way. 2008, lost, lost in the World Series against the Phillies as a heavy analytical club, right? Quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. 2009, they didn't do anything but 2010. They lost to the, L- and to the Rangers in the ALDS. 2011, ALDS lost. Lost to the Red Sox in the ALDS in 2013. Lost in the ALDS in 2019. Lost to the World, the World Series champion Dodgers the, the year that I just mentioned with Blake Snell. They've had a lot of success with their payroll, by the way, being absolutely nothing. We bitch about the Cardinals not spending. No, you don't spend. Be a Rays fan. But they use what they have at their disposal, yet we want to cherry pick the things that we don't like. Oh, Jordan Walker gets sent down to the minors because of the launch angle. they got to leave that kid alone. It's called developing him. And when the kid comes out and says, uh, when Jordan Walker talks about how, you know, maybe he got into his own head or this and that and the other, that's a learning point for the organization absolutely, and the player. So the organization in that moment realizes, hey, guess what? This is not the vehicle to get information to Jordan Walker. The vehicle for Jordan Walker is we're going to get a little more old school. We're going to talk about hitting the baseball hard. We're going to talk about maybe shift opening up or closing up our hip. However it is, we're not going to tell about launch angle and all that other stuff. We learned he's 20 years old. He's never really had to deal with this stuff before. Okay, 
send him down, let him get fixed up. Since he's been back, his launch angle has not been much better. I'd argue that it's been probably about the same. Have we heard one thing about it? Well, no. Well, outside of have we the, heard anything from the Cardinals management or no, coaches? Uh, but what we have heard is why did they even send him down okay, in the first? place? I understand that, but have we heard no. anything? No. Why? Because they've well. learned. The vehicle of communication for Jordan Walker is not to talk about his launch angle. That's what, the the key. The key to what you just said, Jamie, is communication. It's just a, another way to communicate. That's all. It is. Here's all the information. It's it's like you know back, back in school. There's certain teachers that did not get through to you, and uh, certain for, ones that absolutely got through. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, the I teachers typically did not get through she to us. Well, Jamie, that's different. I listened every time. I'm sure you did, but you, listen, listening. Which uh, grade? I, I, I think I think you hearing and listening. It's, it's a little a bit year. different. It's a great year. Regardless, there's certain <laughs> teachers that got through to you. Certain teachers that did not. It's information. Yep. How do I get the information to you as a student? Marsh, you got thoughts on this? No, we're not backpedaling. 636 says you guys are backpedaling. No, we're not. What do you mean? What are you talking about? What are you, what are you talking about? How, how are we backpedaling? I haven't backpedaled once. Where's your analytics on the backpedaling? Yeah, bring me that. How are you backpedaling? 2.7% of the time you backpedal, Anthony. <laughs> okay, great. Show me on the paper. Where's my wool bacon on the backpedaling? Oh, I'm hungry. I think a lot of people... <laughs> For instance, we'll just use launch angle since we've been talking about it. I think people associate, because I, I do too sometimes when I hear launch angle, I'm thinking, okay, these people are just trying to hit home runs. Because when you think of, you know, obviously you want to get the launch angle to be at a, at a you know, at the right spot to where it's you can. It's physics. For sure. I think, I think like people just want to see their players hit the ball hard yeah. and, and not worry about so much hitting the home run because either it's a home run or it's a strikeout for a but lot of teams, are, and that's the the way we're baseball. interpreting that. Marsh, what you for just sure. said, we're we're th- well, th- that's I, I, what we th- oh all he's trying to do is hit a home run. That's what I'm saying. I feel like that's why a lot of people who don't necessarily care for analytics when they hear launch angle, they think home run. And uh, you know, in this town, we've seen different types of baseball where you can win without having the home run. And right now, the Cardinals are a team that we've somewhat discussed relies on the home run. And see why a lot of people aren't fans of the analytics and the launch angles and, and especially, oh, Jordan Walker needs to go you know, work on his his launch angle and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you send him down and then he comes back up. He's got a 15-game hitting streak going, but he right. never really, like Jamie said, never really changed anything. So I think Analytics have have become sort of uh, it's just, the catch all. Yeah, like uh, you, you're either for it or you're not. That, that's ba- there's no really in between. And well, like I, I, me personally, I, I don't really like analytics. I don't like hearing about it. I get what it does, but in terms of decision making, I, I'll go back to the Kevin Cash situation. That was a bad move. That was a bad move, and it cost them the World Series. Now, maybe they don't win it because that wasn't Game 7, right? but at least it gives you another shot. And maybe they lose later in the game with Blake Snell on the mound. Who knows? But I think you know, there's different, there's different uh, ways to approach things, and I think going off of mathematics strictly isn't necessarily the, the right move every single time. And I don't think teams do. For sure. It's just information. Absolutely. I think, uh, and someone texted in, like, analytics is in the past. Like, it's stuff that happens in the past. Correct. Which is why it's a tool to evaluate. For sure. It for can sure. also be a predictor, though, of certain sequences. So that, from that's a another thing, player. for sure. You're the, when people talk about the decision-making, I think sometimes we don't think of all that 
the it's a predictor in a sense. It can be, but it can be dangerous too because if you start reading into it too much, well, the analytics go, yeah. become your driving force. So that's why, again, I go back to it depends on the player, it depends on the coach, and it depends on what information you're passing along to the player. Can analytics end up being something that uh, hinders you? Yes, it can be if you let it override your own player instincts. Mm-hmm. But if I have the instincts of recognizing a certain thing that a guy is doing, a tendency, mm-hmm. then why not take advantage of it? And I wonder, though, and just away from the actual decision-making aspect of just, in my opinion, I think baseball is out of the four major sports the most heavy when it comes to analytics and just hearing about it. And I wonder if that pushes fans away because baseball has struggled with trying to get fans. That's why they're implementing all these rules. I wonder if fans don't care to hear about it. Like, I don't really hear about it all that much with the NFL. You know it's there. You know it's there with every sport. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear about it, though. If you're a fan, so if you're a fan, you're right, Marsh. And if you're a fan of football, right, you're you're a Minnesota Vikings fan. For sure. And your defense doesn't know that a certain quarterback throws to the, you know, the right side of the field Uh in that mid-range 76% of the time. And you don't adjust to that. Shame on you. It's all information and how you utilize it. For sure. I think as a fan, though, I I don't want to hear that. I just want to see my players execute. Right now, the Cardinals are not not executing. So when we hear analytics and they're not executing, then... I tend to I tend to not care for it. Sure, and that, I want to see something different. That makes sense. We are internalizing it for sure, and then saying I don't like it. it, it it's the old Seinfeld quote. It, it just keeps popping in my head when they're talking about write offs. Somebody's talking. I think it's Kramer. He's talking about write off. I'm going to write that off. I'm going to write this off. And Jerry looks at me. and goes, "You don't even know what a write off <laughs> is." I feel like that's where we're at right now with analytics. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. What's trending is next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Line here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, we've talked about Jackson Holiday on this show, of course, every time we have Matt join the show. Baltimore Orioles infielder Jackson Holiday, the top pick in last year's draft. He is set to join the All-Stars Futures game. Nice. So pretty cool accomplishment for Jackson Holiday. Heck yeah. Good for Jackson. I'm sure mom and dad are thrilled. Whole holiday families is fired up. The trajectory on that kid, huh? It's almost like he's got good bloodlines or something. Draft, yeah, going from being a, a highly rated player to skyrocketing up to number one to now the very first year after being drafted. It's in the futures game, man. This kid's got some promise to him. I would say so. Good for him. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching him play down the road. And maybe down the road is a lot sooner than any of us thought. See, that's a guy the Cardinals should trade for. Yeah, I'm like, with you. We'll send you uh, Jake DeYoung, Woodford. O'Neal, and Woodford should do it. For Jackson Holiday. Yeah. Look at the amount of players they're getting. It's three for one. They'd I mean, have come to on. take that, right? No doubt. All right. Lock it in, gentlemen. 
congratulations to Roman Berkey and Tim Parker as they were selected to the 2023 MLS All-Star Game. Oh, Very no cool. doubt. Roman Berkey, my gosh, Ant, that's your guy. I love Berkey. I know you do. I we had him on what a month ago or so. He was he was great. Ed, Kyle Hebert's been awesome. We've had we've had Timmy P on. In fact, he he scored what the first goal for City SC. We had him on the next day. City SC they've been gracious to us. We we have been grateful to have have these players on. Roman Berkey. When I at, flat out asked him, I go, listen, Roman, I don't know anything about soccer. It looks like you're just screaming at everybody after making a save. Like that's that's your job, right? Yeah. And he explained what he was doing, why he was doing it. Not a little nod to the fans too, like, hey, City Park's usually loud, so I gotta I gotta be, you know, demonstrative when yeah. I'm trying to relay the information out to my teammates. Berkey was awesome. He has been so fun to watch. And Watching City SC, I think they go as far as Berkey takes them, and Berkey could take them a long way. Well, you're 100% right. He's been the busiest goalkeeper in all of MLS, and our City SC team's in first place in our, in our conference. Mm-hmm. So, put two and two together, it shows you that you wouldn't be where you're at without Roman Berkey. Berkey, 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 Berkey. Guys, Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, uh, very, you know, active on Twitter. And today he tweeted about the Mets. I will be doing a press conference tomorrow before the game. You will get it from me straight. I found this interesting because we've sort of brought up the idea of maybe Mo uh, having a press conference, like a Doug Armstrong-esque press conference. Um, so I find this interesting. Obviously, the Mets have been struggling as well this season, and uh, we'll, we'll sort of dive into that later in the show as well. But what do you guys think of Steve Cohen uh, not only saying that, uh, uh, not only talking to everybody about what's going on, but tweeting about it and letting people know, hey, this is what's going on? Remember when we said we had the 24-hour deadline for the Cardinals? Like, you have to say <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. And we were hoping that Mo would go the Doug Armstrong route. We're about to see Steve Cohen do it. I think Steve Cohen is going to give the State of the Union address tomorrow to Mets fans, say it's unacceptable, say we we demand more, and lay it out there that they will be sellers at the deadline. Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't say it in the, in, so, in so many words, but essentially sending a shot across the bow to his players that you either get back in the race here in the next five weeks or. You gone. Yeah. So my only concern is uh, the fact that it's uh, Steve Cohen. And who the hell knows where this press conference will go? If it's a State of the Union and with very direct information about what the procedure is going to be here, the plan, all that stuff, then all the power to him. But if it's Steve Cohen and he's just flying off the rails and in the middle of his press conference fires the manager, um, <clears throat> and then he says, we're going to be buyers. At the deadline, because <laughs> I have more money than God, and I don't care. We are not waving the white flag. I will be entertained, nonetheless. But it'd be good if he kept it on the rails, because obviously he's the owner, and he, he's been wielding a lot of power in Major League Baseball. I hope the Mets aren't sellers, and it relates to the Cardinals. I'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Mark 
Marsh just mentioned in What's Trending how Mets owner Steve Cohen will have a press conference tomorrow. And I think it's going to be Steve Cohen basically given the State of the Union address how it's not acceptable that a Mets team that was supposed to contend for a World Series has been lackluster to be nice. he fires a manager? No, I don't think he fires a manager. I think Buck Showalter gets fired tomorrow morning before the press conference. I don't think it's gonna happen. My my prediction. I think this is this is like the start of Joe things. Girardi's hired. Okay, all right, that'd be interesting. But the Mets are thirty five and forty three. If if you are a Cardinals fan, you do not want the Mets to be sellers, and there's one specific reason for that. It's going to be a sell, another sellers market. You don't want the Mets with all their talent to be open for business. You don't want the Padres, who apparently are getting some infight. They're like infighting within the clubhouse. They don't like each other. They don't like. Yeah, right. You don't want the Padres to start selling. If the Cardinals are going to continue to lie there, weekend at Bernie style, and be dragged through the rest of their their season, and be you know in last place in El Central, eight and a half games back, not competitive. And the Cardinals are going to sell at the deadline. Whatever version of selling it is, you do not want the Mets or Padres involved. You want them. You know what? I don't think it matters. Fine. It absolutely matters. I don't think it matters matters. at all, Anthony. You know why? Why? Because they're they're players they've overpaid for all their guys. So even the teams that are looking to acquire players don't want to pony up the big cash. And a lot of the guys that they're going to be looking to sell have term left on their deal, too. Oh, yeah, because the Yankees and the Dodgers... They don't want to pay anybody. Jamie, get out. You're I'm wrong. telling you. It, You're wrong. It will shrink their market of teams. The Rangers don't want to buy anybody. Listen, Come on. Anthony, you just said three teams. If that's the only three freaking teams you're looking to trade to, you're in the St. Louis Cardinals, you're out of your bleeping mind. Tell me the Rays. To, never mind. I'm serious right now. You have a very small percentage of the teams that can actually or willingly acquire your high-priced overpriced talent, underperforming talent. And the Dodgers don't just make a habit of picking up guys just because they make a lot of money. They do their homework. The Yankees do their homework. They'll spend on the right guys. They're not necessarily going to go pick up a guy who's underperforming, making a ton of money, and, oh, by the way, he's a problem in the clubhouse, too. Yeah. Max Scherzer is not a problem in the clubhouse. Well, we don't know that, but I don't. I've never heard that he has been in the past. I was focusing more on the Padres, Padres since that's the story you've been telling us. It's no story. The Padres are fighting. There you and go. If AJ Preller decides okay. I'm going to sell, so I want. Oh, by the way, let's just use a player. Let's say it's Manny Machado. Okay, yeah. I don't know it to be him. Oh, please, I'd like to take on that massive contract and the problem child. We we trade him to us, please, because we're a contender, and we'd love to totally disrupt our our clubhouse and and you know break open the bank account too. Well, since we're using satire, Jamie, when was the last time a uh, a, a GM of a contending team says, you know what, I don't want that talented Manny Machado because we can't fix him. Get out of here. The number of teams, Anthony, that will be in the market for picking up what the Mets are selling is small. So the Cardinals, because they have some pieces that are mid-range, now the Goldschmidt's a little more expensive, but at least it's cost certainty with Goldie. You know what you're going to get pretty much, and he's got one more year on his deal. You probably get about the same performance out of him. 
So that's costing. I'm a little more eager to listen to you about Paul Goldschmidt rather than player X, Y, or Z that are making twice as much that have four or five years left on their deal. So contrary to what you think, I don't necessarily believe it to be true that if the Mets are sellers, it's going to totally jam up everything for the Cardinals. We get a text from the 314. Interesting text. Why not buy from the Mets and the Padres if you're the Cards? Because you want their problem, child? You want their you want their bad contract? You okay. want you their underperforming up, player? You want to give up Walker? <laughs> no kidding. Do you want to give up Walker? You want Mason to give up Wynn? Nolan Gorman? Who do you want? Who do you want on those teams? They need pitching. It's true. I'd take Blake Snell. Sure. He's up for contract though. He is. So then you'd be ponying up maybe not as high a prospect, right. but you'd be ponying that up. This is what I'll say to you, Jamie. If the Mets and the Padres wind up being sellers at the deadline and it costs the Cardinals, I'm blaming you. Gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. With Jamie Rivers and Andrew March, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane where it's 4 o'clock. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We need a new gauntlet contestant after we handed out another gauntlet trophy yesterday. It's Matt. What's up, Matt? How's it going, fellas? Doing all right. Are you excited to maybe win a yeah. gauntlet trophy because we've been terrible? Yeah, I've got room on the trophy case, so. All right, fair enough, man. Well, yeah, you're going to have to I don't blame it. you for the confidence, honestly. Yeah. Have you been on the gauntlet 2.0 before? Uh, no. Okay. No. Have you the last met? time I was on it, meat was around. Okay. All right, so gauntlet 1.0. Have you mapped out who you'd like to face first? Uh, yes, I have. I'm going to take on Anthony Slayton. Oh, Anthony Slayton, wow. I like it. <laughs> well played. You were listening yesterday. Two points for you. I hope you oh, get hockey. You're down 2 nothing already? Yeah. yeah, I hope you get hockey because you'll probably win. See you, Matt. All right. All right, Anthony's going to make his way to the Cone of Silence. And, uh, Matt, what I'm going to need you to do is tell Marshy to spin that wheel. Marshy, go ahead and spin that wheel, baby. All right, so Anthony mentioned hockey. Uh, that's his nemesis. What category do you not want today, Matt? Um, <clears throat> I prefer not to have random, but I can deal with it. All right, good news. It's not random. You got baseball today. You got okay. baseball. Okay, so now Marshy's going to hand me the, uh, the launch codes here, our questions. Compliments of our guy Grant Francis. And uh, each question is worth two points. If you use the options, answer correctly. It's worth one point. If you get it wrong, well, you just get it wrong, and sometimes we laugh. All right, Matt, are you ready to go? It's rock and roll. Okay, again, baseball is the category. Question one. According to baseball reference, which team in MLB has the oldest pitcher's average age? Um... I feel like it's the Cardinals, but I'm going to take the options just in case. All right. Is it the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Mets, or the Boston Red Sox? 
Ooh, the Mets, final answer. Question number two. The Rays won 50 games within their first 72 games. Something that has only been accomplished six times since 1994. Which team did it last season? Um, I'll take the options. Options are the Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers, or New York Yankees. The Dodgers, I'll answer. All right, Matt, we're on to question three. Which Cardinal has hit the most home runs on the team this season? Um, either Gorman or the I'll take uh, Nolan Gorman, final answer. Question number four. Which team was the last team the Cardinals beat in a walk-off fashion thanks to Tommy Edmonds' third walk-off hit of his career? I feel like they've won very many games this year. So um, I'll pick the options. Options are the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, or the Pittsburgh Pirates. I really don't know, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Pirates. Final answer. All right, Matt, we're going to get uh, Anthony back in here. We wave him in from the cone of silence. How you feeling, buddy? Um, not great. <laughs> All right, Anthony's back in here now. He makes his way over to his headphones, going to plug in his ears, as we say here in the biz. Anthony, right. how you doing, buddy? I'm confident, Jamie. Uh, I have no reason to be confident after I got snubbed in uh, the last gauntlet performance, but I've thought about it a lot. Mm -hmm. As you know, I'm a competitor. I've been chomping at the bit to get back today, so I'm glad Matt chose me. All right. Will I still be saying that in four or five minutes? I don't know. Well, Anthony, you better pack a lunch. Damn it. Are you ready? Ready. Question number one. Which franchise has the most Stanley Cups I'm just kidding. I <laughs> <laughs> got you. Of course he got me. I'm only going in his hockey, Marsh. I wish the cameras uh, were active already for that one. Uh, Anthony, honestly, I think he may have soiled himself at the that Habs. Oh, the Habs, by the way. My answer is the Habs. Yeah, well, you would have been correct, yeah. finally. All right. <laughs> Categories baseball, Anthony. Okay. Question number one. According to baseball reference, which team in MLB has the oldest pitchers by average age? The oldest pitchers by average age this season. Wow, that's a good question. Thank Interesting. You. Yeah, I'm going to narrow this down. Can I have the options, please? Yeah. Is it the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Mets, or the Boston Red Sox? I don't think it's the Dodgers. The Mets got Scherzer and Verlander. Carlos Carrasco is a little bit older. And then they got some young guys. Boston. Cutter Croft. I don't think it's Boston. I don't think it's. I'm going to go with the Mets. Final answer. Question number two The Rays won 50 games within their first 72 games, something that has only been accomplished six times since 1994. Which team did it last season? Won 50 games in something or other within their first 72 games. Okay, who's, who's really good last year? Uh, I mean, who was red hot last year? 
Houston had a good year. Cleveland had a good year, but I don't think it's them. It's not the Cardinals. When the Brewers, Dodgers maybe, Braves. No, Braves struggled last year at the start. I'm leaning Houston, but I'm going to take the options. Options are the Atlanta Braves, the Los Angeles Dodgers, or the New York Yankees. Glad I did that, huh? There you go. So you said the Braves, the Dodgers, or who? The Yankees. It has to be the Dodgers. The Braves got off to a slow start. The Yankees, I don't think, came out of the gates hot. I'm going to go with the Dodgers, final answer. All right, Anthony, question number three. Which Cardinal has hit the most home runs on the team this season? It's got to be Gorman. I'm going to take Nolan Gorman, final answer. And question number four. Which team was the last team the Cardinals beat in walk-off fashion thanks to Tommy Edmonds' third walk-off hit of his career? Last team that they got the walk-off. The old walk-off. You're on the road against the Mets. You didn't beat the Giants. The Nationals you're on the road against. Um, Good question. I'll take the options on this one. Options are the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, or the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Red Sox you were on the road against. You couldn't walk it off against them. Red Sox, Cubs, Pirates, you said? That is correct. Did you host the Cubs or at Wrigley? I thought you were at Wrigley. I'm going to go the Pirates. Final answer. All right. Let's go over this. Oh, boy. All right. Let's go with uh, question number one. According to baseball reference, which team in the majors has the oldest pitchers by average age? Matt, you said the Mets. Anthony, you said the Mets. Answer is? It's the New York Mets. Both of you use the options. A one-one after one. Nice job, Matt. Let's go to question. I thought the Cardinals. <laughs> he, did, he took the options and was like, "Whoops, they got to took the options." Question number three: Which Cardinal has hit the most home runs on the team this season? Matt, you said Nolan Gorman. Anthony, you said Storm and Gorman as well. Answer is, it's Nolan Gorman. Neither of you needed the option. Way to go, Matt. We are three-three after two questions. Let's go with question number two. The Rays won 50 games within their first 72. Something that has only been accomplished six times since 1994. Which team did it last season? Matt, you said the Dodgers. Anthony, you said the Dodgers. Answer is... It's the New York Yankees. Both of you got it wrong, so it comes down to question number four. Which team was the last team the Cardinals beat in walk-off fashion thanks to Tommy Edmonds' third walk-off hit of his career? Matt, you said the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anthony, you said the Pittsburgh Pirates. Answer is... It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Both of you needed the options. Walk it off. We got to walk off. Wow. Okay, so nice here, job, Matt. here's how it works, Matt. I'll ask the question to Anthony. Hold your answer 
Anthony's going to write down his answer here in the studio. Once Anthony shows us his answer physically, we're going to you right away, and you got to answer quickly because people call other people out here on the gauntlet by when they take too long. You understand the rules, Matt? Yep. All right, buddy. Good luck to you. Tiebreaker question. According to baseball reference, the Cardinals are the 11th youngest team in Major League Baseball this season when it comes to batter's average age. What is their batter's average age? All right, we've got Anthony's answer. Matt, what's your answer? I'm going to say 25.8 years. All right, we got a winner here. Matt. You have chosen poorly. You lose. <laughs> Anthony, what was your answer? 26 and a half. The average batter's age is 27.9 wow. for the Cardinals. Wow. Sorry, Matt. You had a good one, though, here, buddy. Boy, Matt, you and I think the same, my friend. I don't know if that – I feel good about it. I don't know about you, but uh, that was close. Well, I appreciate it, and thanks for the opportunity, and you guys have a good one. Thanks a lot, too, buddy. Matt. Have a great evening. Thanks. See you, Matt. All right. Bye. I feel bad. Matt seems down. Yeah, I don't – you know what, though? I'm okay with that. You know what that shows me about Matt? He cares. He cares. He's a competitor. Yeah, he cares. He didn't just mail it in. Okay, and Jamie. Well, neither did you. Okay, well, yeah. I'm proud of you, Anthony. You know, I took you. I took what you said to heart. When I'm glad you, you did. You've been much better since too. When you hammered me uh, about the gauntlet mm-hmm. tiebreaker question, mm-hmm. in which I wrote down 69. Yeah, you're just way off, Anthony. I was way off. I will hammer you again too. Over, and over, over, and over, and, and over. over if you give me a performance like that, yeah. Well, but I you hope, didn't. You've hope been today better. I showed something. Yeah, absolutely. I was not happy. I haven't slept since last gauntlet. I won it. <laughs> oh, easy. Mr. Lack of Preparation Are yesterday. You <laughs> didn't I'm even serious. drink his water. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> then what happened, Anthony? He lost. It's all about your, your personal preparation. If you never did it before, I wouldn't say anything, but every single time, even when we cost us time on the clock, you drink your water. Yeah. And yesterday, you just come storming in. Would that be like a superstition? No, it's your preparation. It preparation. It's your preparation. Well, then why are you critiquing my preparation? Because what you did it wanted... wrong yesterday. Huh. Jamie's never going to ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself. That's a really good point. And the analytics over the last 10 to 12 gauntlets yeah. have shown me that when you are prepared, you do really well. Marcia. He's not wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you aren't wrong at all by, by any means. So it's all right. We can all be better. Do you want to apologize, Marsh? Or? No. Okay. Right. No. Fair enough. Actually, I I do. I do. I'm sorry. No. That you feel that That's way. That's not an apology. Cardinals a... need to be bold at the deadline, according to Ken Rosenthal. What the hell does bold mean? We'll talk about it next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
have a significant need in your rotation. What are you uh, like? What are you going to do next year? You're going to go at it with with Michaelis, Matt, and then is it Libby, McGreevy? Uh, you're going to go give Woodford a run. Is Thompson back? In? Like you can't go with three unproven start, four unproven starters in it with, with a team that you think is going to win. So like you're going to have to pony up for one of the big fish. And I just wonder if last year sitting there and watching this happen and then realizing where you landed when it comes to spending, does that push them over the edge to make them want to make that leap? We're going to find out. That was our guy, Brad Thompson, who joined us earlier today here in the Fast Lane with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. And that conversation was based on Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic saying that the Cardinals need to make a bold move at the deadline, or it's time for them to make a bold move. And he discussed how the Cardinals organization has not given the fan base, which has been incredibly supportive to the to the team throughout the course of the years. And in return, the team has been competitive, but not in the way that the the fan base would love to see. And Rosenthal also mentioned that the ownership has been reluctant to spend big, has reluctant to be uncomfortable when it comes to free agency and the moves that the, the front office does make and worked out in free agency. None of which is wrong. All of it spot on by Ken Rosenthal. But he said, again, the Cardinals need to make a, a, a they need to be bold at the deadline. What does bold mean for you, Jamie? Well, look, this is assuming that things have continued to stay the same or gone south. Because if they make up some ground, I've said this before, my threshold's like four games. If they get to within four games, you legit have a chance to win the division. And I think you owe it to your fans to go for it at that point. Go for it. You know, you describe go for it. Go for it means win the division, make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So my deadline is going to look a lot different if I'm within four games than it will be if I'm eight and a half back. If I'm eight and a half back, every pending free agent's got to go. Yep. A la Doug Armstrong, if you're not under contract with us next year, you will be traded. And, and that's just the bottom line. And then I'm kicking the tires around for Goldie. I am. You're eight games, nine games, ten games back, whatever it is. I got a year left of Paul Goldschmidt, and then his production might drop off a cliff. It may, it may not, but it might start the downward trajectory, right? So when I look at the Cardinals, if you're way out of it, I think that every contract that's expiring goes away, but that you also look at moving Goldie. I don't know if there's another player on the roster you look to move that has term left on their deal. Do you start to float Brendan Donovan? Do you start to float Large Newbar, uh, Tommy Edmond? I don't know what you're trying to accomplish ultimately. For me, I would hang on to those guys and just follow the plan that I talked about. But the, the ransom for gold would have to be substantial. You'd have to give me quite a bit because this is a franchise player He's a reigning NL MVP, and he's always been Mr. Consistent. So I know that whoever I'm trading him to, for at least the one year, he's going to do pretty much what he's been doing all along. That would be my plan. Well, it sounds like you and I are on the same wavelength there. Because I would mentioned this last week. I mentioned, I think, a week and a half ago, too. Brad outlined it. How else are you going to get a new pitching staff? How else are you even have an, an opportunity to rebuild this pitching staff if you don't make, to Rosenthal's point, a bold move. A bold move would be trading Goldschmidt. 
And I, I realize it's not crazy though, Anthony. Well, I know, Jamie. I know. I'm just like I'm Come thinking on, out loud. Man. Like it's not crazy. Like I tried to pitch you on this the last week. I know. You told me to go I, chase myself. I did. And at the time, I believed myself to be right. <laughs> but the Cardinals haven't moved. Right. You brought this up when talking to BT. It feels like they've been eight to nine games back for mm. the entirety of the season. Yeah. Like they're not making up ground. I get the. I get the notion of, hey, when was the last time it worked out where you traded traded the, the the best player in the deal and you got the better end of it? Well, when was the last time? You know how many how many MVPs have been available for trades? It's, it's not money. It's not many. And I was listening to the balloon party earlier today, and Tim McKernan got a text message and said, "Well, hey, did the Cardinals consider trading Albert Pujols in 2011? He was a pending free agent, and at the time, the Cardinals felt, you know, we're out of it." It took it took a magical run at the end, as we know, to make the playoffs and then to to win the World Series. The difference is that Albert one was younger, and two, the Cardinals thought they were going to bring him back. They made an offer to him. It's a different. It's a completely different yeah. scenario. And Jamie, I'd mentioned this last week to you. I had brought up the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros signed Jose Abreu. Why? Because they didn't have a first baseman. Yuli Gurriel was fine for them. He was fine. He was seventh, eighth place hitter. He was, he was a good, good clubhouse guy, whatever. They they thought they upgraded in Jose Abreu, who's also 35, Theoretically, 36. they should have been. <laughs> Theoretically. Yeah. Why, why hasn't that happened? Because Abreu, at 36 years old, his production has completely fallen off the cliff. We we think we know. We don't. We think we know that Goldschmidt's going to play well the rest of the year, and he's going to play all. You know, he's going to play well next year. Let's not forget that a couple of years ago, we were having the discussions of, hey, is he kind of in his twilight now? And maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll hit well this year. Maybe, maybe he'll he hit well be, next though. year. Maybe maybe he will be. But if you don't, I'll go the back. The chances are greater that the production's going to start to lower based Correct. upon the age getting higher. Exactly. Where else are you going to, Jamie, you pulled this, posed this question to me before. Where are you going to get pitching? Where are you going to get top end pitching? Well, you can't get it unless you spend big and there's no guarantee that that player that you like, let's just say it's Aaron Nola, will sign with you. Free agency is not a guarantee, even if you're willing to spend, even if you're willing to match the top the top contenders for a free agent. He may still tell you, I want to go back to the Phillies, or I want to go play for the Mets, or whoever. That's a gamble, too. Just like acquiring prospects, top-end prospects, in a deal for Goldschmidt. And I'll challenge anybody who's pushing back on trading Goldschmidt. If you've been somebody that has said, I am tired of the way the Cardinals have operated, well, then here's your move. This is different, is it not? Sometimes it's not comfortable. So why would you not consider trading Goldie? Because we get a text here from the 618. says, Randy Carricker is seething listening to this Goldie trade talk. I'm sure he is. I understand Randy being upset about the thought of trading Goldie, but I don't know if you're upset at the thought of trading Goldie or you're upset at the fact that you're in this position. I Well, Randy, Randy's take, and he's right, is that when has the team giving up an MVP got a good return on it? But this is the new era of small, baseball. And it's also a very small sample size. He's he's right. I will I will concede that point. He's right. 
But one, it's a very small sample size. And two, how else are you going to get pitching that's going to help you a year from now? Because I know Jordan Walker, you can slide into first base. He ain't going to be goldie. Well, Donovan can play first base. Donovan can play first base. you got 42 first basemen. Do you have a starting pitching staff that's competitive for next year? No. No. No, you don't even have a staff. So guess what? If you don't, I don't care how good your receiver is. I don't care how good your cornerback is. I don't care that you have a middle linebacker that can take somebody's head off. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. If you don't have a starting pitching staff that's stacked at the top, good luck winning anything of significance. And we know that as Cardinals fans because look at what has happened over the last couple of years. You cannot patch things together like the Cardinals have been doing with their pitching staff. It doesn't work. So from the 618, what is the certainty that the prospects There is out? no certainty. But hang on, There Anthony, is no certainty. My counter to that is what is your certainty Goldie can continue to be productive following next year? There is none. You're 100% right. There's no certainty. You may say to yourself, well, just spend in free agency. You have no certainty... That those starters will want to sign in St. Louis. We have seen this. But if you want to do it, you can. So there's no rule that says John Mozeliak can't trade Paul Goldschmidt for the biggest haul he can get prospect-wise. And, and then, then go, absolutely, Jamie. Go into the free agent market and pick up somebody. High five, buddy. So now you're, you're actually Slap hands. You're killing the fly twice, which is fine. That's what you should be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're hoping that these guys pan out. Yes. But you also are going to go get some certainty. Correct. Probably at a lower number than what Goldie's costing you right now. Sure. I'm with you. Build it. You have to build a starting There's a staff. snag, though, Anthony. You know what the snag is? Goldie's got a full no-trade clause. Yes. Yeah, he could he could say, you know what, I love I love it here Tory in St. Louis. Tory Krug called him and said, hey, dig your heels in <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And, we, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because we, we should mention that. It's not a certainty that he would No, it, that, Goldie might tell you to go chase yourself. Yeah, he loves St. Louis. He, he signed does. here. And by the way, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the Cardinals are going to put their huevos rancheros on the desk and make a bold move. I really don't. I don't think they have it in them to make a move like this. I don't. Anthony, this team still thinks they're going to win the division. If, my, my point exactly, Marsh. You, uh, what I've heard is you've been sharing your the the the, the stuff that you got from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you've been sharing it with Ayahuasca. the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Who's they, the say, Cardinals could use some? Who's of that. to say they weren't sharing it with me? That's a good point. Wow, you just, <laughs> yeah. just blew my <laughs> That's mind. That's what it does, Anthony. Does Kevin Hayes make the Blues a Cup contender? We got that on the text line earlier. We'll dive into it next on One Hundred ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. made a big trade today, a significant trade, acquiring Kevin Hayes from the Flyers in exchange for a six-round pick, and the Flyers are picking up 50% of the contract that is remaining for Kevin Hayes. Great deal. We've talked about it a couple of times throughout the course of the show. Now, we got a text message via the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646 that asks us the question, following the trade, are the Blues Cup contenders now? Uh, Jamie, I think we're getting a little over our skis with that. First of all, do you agree? Um, yeah. I mean, look, you you still have a long way uh, to go. Right. 
But this is a step in the right direction. Okay, so if the roster doesn't move, and it will, it's going to change, but if the roster doesn't move from here on out, yeah. what are they then? If they're not a cup contender? Well, Anthony, I'm glad you asked. Oh, he's got his, wow, did let's, you hear that? He's got his notebook. Let's go over pen. this, okay? Is that blue pen or black pen? What do you got? Blue. Hey, oh, blue. Okay, blue, blue today. today. Yeah, well, I believe, that makes sense. I believe blue. Go blues. Makes sense. Right? Why would I write it in black? No, no. forget that. So we got Thomas and Cairo. We got, let's say, Hayes. What number was Hayes last year? Kevin. <laughs> uh, yeah. All I think now is Willie Mays Hayes. Willie Mays Hayes. I think he's number 13. All right. We'll just, we'll make him 13. Well, that's Torpchenko, actually. Yeah, well, okay. So, so let's uh, just, whatever. you know what I'll do, Andrew? I'll make it easy. I'll just write Hayes, okay? Hayes. Since that makes you happy. My God. Anyways. Thank you. Let's put Bucci on the line with Hayes. Why? Because uh, that's where I want him to be. That a boy. Um, and so you've got Sod, Torpo here somewhere, Jake Neighbors. Let's see here. Old Jakey. We'll put Jake Neighbors over here. You've got a pretty good lineup. Okay, you're missing a couple of pieces, and you're going to have to promote from within a little bit. But you've got a pretty good lineup moving into next season. Uh, way deeper lineup than you thought because you've got Verana and you've got Kapanen as well. So let's say it's Kairou, Thomas, and Verana. Then you go to Neighbors, Hayes, and Buchnevich. Then you've got Kapanen, Shen, and Saad. Torpchenko, maybe a Sunquist. I don't know. You like Sonny. I do. So just the top nine that I just rhymed off to you, mm-hmm. what does that sound like to you guys? Marsha, you too. Playoff contender. Okay. Playoff contender that can make some noise because of the goaltending. Sounds like we're going in the right direction. Yeah, we are. We're going in a really good direction. And here's something I want to bring up to you guys, too. Um, I had to earmark this because, you know, I, I didn't want to write it down. So I took a picture of it. Doug Armstrong has acquired, in the la- in the very short period of time, has acquired Kevin Hayes, Casperi mm-hmm. Kapanen, and Jacob Verana. He's given up Dylan McLaughlin, a sixth-round pick, and a seventh-round pick. <laughs> wow. When you put it like that, holy smokes. That's what that's what it's cost Doug Armstrong to acquire those players. Yeah, that's that's I mean that's remarkable when yeah. you put in that when you put in those terms. And so if you're looking at Verana, Thomas, and Cairo, I believe it to be true that all three of those guys can score twenty goals plus. Would mm. you guys agree with that? I do. Okay. So you've got three twenty goal scorers here. I also believe Hayes, Buchnevich. And Shen can score 20 goals. What do you guys think of that? Shen, Buchnevich, and who? Hayes. At 18 yes. last yeah, year. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Marshy? I think that, yeah. Okay, so now we're up to 620 goal scores. Brandon Saad, does he get there? He can. He gets there maybe, every year. Yeah. He gets there every year. Pretty much that's what he is, a 20 goal scorer. So now How many up, did he score last year? Um, I think he was right at the 20 goal threshold. Don't know if he, I'll look it up. Keep talking. I don't know if he got there, Anthony. And, and if some of these players aren't scoring 20, like I, they could easily 19. be around that 18, 19. Okay. You know, yes. got 19. Yes. A down year. I think he gets there. Okay. So now you got eight 20 goal scorers on your roster. Kapanen, does he get you 20? Mm, no. 15 and 20. Okay. I'll still take it, though. I'll take it, right? So you see where I'm headed here. Mm-hmm. What about yes. Sammy Blay? Sammy Blay is in this lineup, too, somewhere. 
So Sammy Blay is probably going to get you 15 to 20 next year. And if he's playing like he did at the end of last season and how he did in the World Cup, we could com- we could see a complete different Sammy Blay. Okay, I like what you're doing here, Jamie, but I haven't heard what I what I need to hear. What's that? The area of the roster that cost you last year in large extent. Well, Anthony, inconsistency, quite honestly, cost you last year. Don't you spin this. variety of players. Don't you spin this. Depending on the day of the Are week. Are you going to get... More physical and tougher in front of the net. Well, you just did. You got bigger, stronger, and more physical net front with Kevin Hayes. I like it. So you've addressed that. Okay. Jake Neighbors, by the way. How about a full season of Jakey? That guy proved to be like he he's a version of a Braden Shen. Running people over, dropping the mitts, scoring some goals. So he's a guy too. Like your roster, Sammy Blay, he absolutely is that guy. So when I look at the current Blues roster, I don't see a Stanley Cup contender. I don't. Damn. I'm sorry, Andrew. I know that bothers you. But I do see a playoff contender. I see a team that can absolutely make the playoffs given the fact that they compete the entire season and they tighten up defensively. Mm -hmm. How do they do that? Well, they're putting some of the right pieces in place. And at the end of last season, the ending of the season looked much better than any other part of the season. Am I right? You're right. So starting with those guys that you had, and now you added Kevin Hayes, and now you're adding a new defense coach who is probably going to bring in some new form of team defense or certainly defensive zone coverage. It's going to help with that anyways. And you've got Bennington and Hofer. Right away, starting the season, I feel more comfortable on the defensive side of the game. So then when you flip it to the offensive side – we're talking about eight, potentially nine, 20 goal scorers again, and then probably a handful of guys that get between 10 and 15 goals. This team is going to be a lot better. Now, do they have to execute? Yeah, of course. It's just like the Cardinals right now. On paper, you know, on paper, but they're right. not executing. So the paper is only good enough to, for the ink that you write on with it, right? I don't mm. know if I said that right, but who cares? Mm. We want blue ink. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so to answer the ultimate question, this is a playoff uh, potential, potentially a playoff team, a uh, little ways away on the cup contender. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, go ahead. I was no, no. You're excited. You're not. You're not I thrilled, mean, but you're. Excited. I'm not thrilled, Anthony. I'm, I'm not, thrilled not thrilled about with? the. Well, I because he, I'm like, he, he wants you. I just want to. I want to hear you say it. I want to hear that they are cup contenders oh, now. Yeah. Uh, I understand everything that you just went through, and now I get why that they won't be. Uh, is it disappointing? Yes. But, Andrew, you know this. If they get in, they can win. Absolutely. Look at the the Florida Panthers last year. Oh, absolutely. They got in one point at the end of the season. They limped in, and they went to the Stanley Cup final. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you what team from this past year in terms of uh, a playoff team would you compare them to? Are are we looking at like a New Jersey Devils type team? Quite honestly, you're looking at more of a Vegas Golden Knights type team. With Uh, Kevin Hayes? uh, Up front. I'm talking. That was a lot, Jamie. No, guys. Uh, guys, stop. Oh, Anthony. Andrew, you want to play this game? Better defense. What? No, do you guys want to play this game? I like playing games. Let's talk about it when we come back here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Before we go 
last segment, Jamie said something uh, that I can only imagine was said under uh, the, I don't know, the guise of a, a lot of bourbon. No, I haven't Anthony. seen. I haven't seen. Even, I haven't seen you drink Not in yet. this studio, and I know Not you. Yet. I know you don't. No, but you were on something that last segment. No, it's so. Marshy asked me. Ayahuasca. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I did ask you to go get me some water, Marshy. So who knows? <laughs> um, Marshy asked me, you know, what team do you see like comparable to the Blues? First team I thought of was ah, the Florida Panthers because, you know, they barely got in. But then when you look at the top-end talent on the Florida Panthers, mm-hmm. the Matthew Kachucks, the Barkovs, those guys, the Blues don't have those guys right now. They don't have them right now. They don't have a 100-point guy yet. So I looked over at the Vegas Golden Knights in my, in my head. I went, you know what? The Vegas Golden Knights is a comparable for the Blues. Let me read you some stats, Anthony. Because, you know, Vegas Golden Knights, I don't know if you know this, they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Pretty in, impressive in very, fashion, too. In in a very distinct way. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. So, just out of curiosity, um, how many points did you think Jack Eichel had this year? How many points? How many points? He played 67 games. So, in mm. fairness, 67 uh, games. How many points do you think Eichel had? 85. Ooh, I was going to say 89. In 67 games? Yes. Yeah, he had 66 points. Son of okay, a let's flip it over guy. here. How many points do you think Jordan Cairo had in 79 games? He had 92. I'm going to go with how many games? 79, 79 games. Nine. He was close to a point per game. I'm going to go with 77. 73. Okay. That was way off. So let's flip it over now. Chandler Stevenson, second highest score for the Vegas Golden Knights, played 81 games. How many points do you think he had? Uh, 75. Well, it's got to be under Eichel, so... Yeah, 75. Um, oh, it doesn't have to be, does it? doesn't it? have to be, but uh, he's, he's, okay. he's setting us up here. 80, 82 games? 81. 81 games? 75. 74. 65. Oh, boy. Pavel Buchnevich played only 63 games. How many points did he have? 70. 72. 67. So okay. over a point a game. Man, we suck at this no, game. No, but right now, so mm. your comparables, your top two scorers... You're kind of you're even. Pavel Buchnevich would be a swap for Eichel, but then Kairu's burying Stevenson on points. Mm-hmm. I didn't say two hundred foot game on points. Yeah, let's go a couple more here. Jonathan Marchessault, your Conn Smythe Trophy winner, seventy six games. How many points? Seventy five. Sixty one. Fifty seven. Okay. How did this team win? Braden Shen. Oh, wait, I know. I think he's going to get Had 65 points in 82 games. Robert Thomas had 65 points in 73 games. So you get where I'm headed at right here, correct? Yes. As far as forward depth and Mm -hmm. production, you're kind of on par. Now, am I saying that the Blues players are all equal 200-foot players like the guys I just mentioned? No. No. Not yet. Whoa. Not yet. You don't know. You don't know. But as of right now, no. Here's where you run into the problem. Mm, Here we go. Actually, before I get to the problem, let's continue. Oh, okay. Let's That's continue. Right. We can push it off with uh, rainbows and unicorns. Ooh. Yeah. So, Anthony, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Who was the Vegas Golden Knights' starting goalie last season to start the season? Uh that would have been exactly the, the guy that had to file for bankruptcy no. because he had the snake. No, he never even. Missouri. He never even Logan, played a game. 
Logan something. Logan Thomas. Close. Logan Thompson. Thompson. Okay. Brad, not a, not exactly brother. a uh, household name, right? Who are their other goalies? Aiden Hill. Yes. Why do you know that? Because he won the Otherwise, no chance. No. Although he was a former San Jose Shark, so I shouldn't yeah, take that away Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. What the hell, man? Um, let's see here. Okay, so Laurent Brossois was the other guy. Mm-hmm. My point with this Don't is— Don't forget Johnny Quick. Jo- well, Jonathan Quick, you're right. He got there. He got himself on the cup. My point is is that your goaltenders right now, Bennington and Hofer, I would argue are better. I agree. Now. Ish. Now for the bad news. <clears throat> the Vegas Golden Knights defensive core was incredible. Okay. Okay. There we go. And, and that's what propelled this team to their Stanley Cup championship. Uh, Alex Petrangelo had 54 points in 73 games. You, you know, Shea Theodore had 41 points, and these guys were locked down solid too. Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb. They had some players. Zach Whitecloud. These are all really good defensemen. Mm-hmm. So that's the area you have to address. If you're Doug Armstrong, when you look at last year's Stanley Cup champion, you're not far off up front. Give or take. You've got some more dynamic players, but you've got a few less 200-foot players. I'll give you that. So, well, you know, we kind of mix and match a little bit. The yeah. goaltender, you're looking at going, hey, I'm happy. I'll take the I'll take the head-to-head goaltender battle any day of the week. Where you're not going to win right now is the defensive core. Mm-hmm. You don't have Alex Petrangelo. You did, but you don't have him anymore. And he's a number one defenseman in the NHL. Can the Blues go get a number one defenseman right now? Probably not right now. You're probably going to have to wait and either trade for one or develop one. And they're not easy to develop. They only come around once every so often. So what can you do? Make your defensive core deeper. And by doing that, you have to acquire some players. And this is why I think Army has been kicking the tires about moving Tory Krug and asking him to waive his no-trade clause, trying to bring in some bigger players and better defensive players because he knows that's the area of weakness right now for this club. Yeah. But if you plop a really good defenseman into the top four here, all of a sudden you're looking at player X and Pareko, Letty and Falk, Perunovic, Bortuzzo, or Tyler Tucker. Like You've got some guys now. Yeah. So when I compare them to the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm not for one second saying that they head-to-head this team stands a chance at this point. I'm just suggesting that they're not as far off as we think, and that's why Army making these little changes, these subtle trades, all of a sudden the retool has picked up some speed, and that's good news for Blues fans. I think it was a a great demonstration of the forward group. You eventually got back to, and we all knew you would, the biggest biggest reasons why Vegas won themselves a cup. But your point is huge D. I mean, those both guys are massive. Hag was like six five, six six. Yeah, both size and performance, I would say. Uh-huh. Yeah, they came up huge, and they were huge. Absolutely. So the Blues got to build that. Well said. Or acquire it. It uh, feels huge. It's huge. It is. Sports Especially six. we got guys that work like that. Pack is next here on 101 ESPN. Air Comfort Service tax line is 314-399-9646. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
the question. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. 5 o'clock, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalters, Andrew Marsh. Question number one. All right, gentlemen, we just got done talking about your St. Louis Blues from the 618 with the addition to Hayes. Does this close the door for a Ryan O'Reilly reunion with the Blues? Well, nothing is ever completely out of the question. I think Ryan O'Reilly would have to take a substantial pay cut, though, to make this work. Uh, you know, I haven't even really looked at the salary cap for the Blues here um, today since acquiring uh, Kevin Hayes. But quite honestly, I feel like you just gave O'Reilly's money to Kevin Hayes because you were going to get a deal at what three-ish million for a Ryan O'Reilly. Even that's kind of low. So when you see Kevin Hayes come in and take up the three point five. I just don't know where you're getting that salary cap space. Right now, the projected cap space is $3.9 million, but you've got Torpchenko, Tucker, uh, McGing, who probably signed a two-way contract, but I think Torpchenko, he's going to be a one-way. Perunovic, I don't know if his money's on the books here yet. Uh, no, it's not. So Scott Perunovic's money is not on the books yet either. I know it's 50000 but all that incrementally starts to eat away at your cap space. So I think it's, I think it would be almost impossible to get Ryan O'Reilly back here unless, unless you can find a, a landing spot for Tory Krug. If you can, you know, t- if you can get rid of that six point five off of your salary cap, then there's plenty of room to bring back a Ryan O'Reilly. But until that point, I think you're kind of in a holding pattern, trying to wait and see, you know, what evolves with the next couple of days or weeks from for free agency standpoint. This is why I circle back to Oscar Sunquist. I think Sonny's going to be in the 800 to a million dollar range. You have that money right now. And man, does he make that fourth line look good? Yeah. Because I, I can't imagine Ryan O'Reilly wanting to re-sign with the Blues looking at the middle of the ice right now. So if I'm Ryan O'Reilly and I'm evaluating opportunity to reset the market for myself because that's kind of what he has to do this year. You've got Thomas, Hayes, and Shen in front of you. That's a problem. So I don't know. It doesn't mean it's completely over because you can always move Shenner to the wing. They've done that before. But I don't... I If I was betting on it, I wouldn't bet that Ryan O'Reilly's back here. Question number two. From the 636, more impressive LSU's 18-4 victory over Florida in Game 3 to clinch the Men's College World Series, or LSU fans spending $344,000 taking 68,888 jello shots. Yeah, I would go that route. The fact that the College World Series Jello Shot Challenge went to LSU by a landslide, again, as Marsh just said, 68,888 Jello Shots consumed by LSU fans, which equates to 344K. That was more impressive. I was also wrong about my Florida prediction. I'm a little 
Yeah, we're burnt. About and that it happens. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, here's a here's another question: Did LSU do they deserve the men's college World Series because of what their fans put in? Like, d- does it does it equal you know, Marsh, each I think, other? I think the victory last night. Yeah. Uh, that that allowed them to earn the college baseball World Series, but yeah. it's a it's a fair question nonetheless. Yeah, I just I feel like you know the amount of work that the fans put in. You it know, it shouldn't deserve, go unnoticed. It, it doesn't go unnoticed yeah. for uh, for sure. Mm. Question number three. From the 314, what is the difference between waiving a player and buying out a contract? How come the Blues have not waived Marco Scandella? Well, because you'd like to still manage to get something for the player. And there is a penalty for waiving a player that makes a certain amount of money. Uh, There's a portion of the salary cap that still stays on your books. It's not the full portion of the salary cap because teams used to use that specifically uh, early on in the salary cap age to alleviate salary cap spots. And it actually ruined a bunch of guys' careers because they never got picked up because they were making too much money and they couldn't get themselves out of the minors. So That sucks. So what they did is they, they manipulated that rule a little bit. I don't have the exact ruling in front of me. Um, but for a guy like Marco Scandella, here's a couple things you have to remember about Marco Scandella. When he came here to the Blues, he played really well for you. He played so good that he earned a contract with the Blues. Now, did he earn a, a modified no-trade clause? Did he earn a three-year deal? To be determined, right? In hindsight, it's easy. But if he continues to play at the, the level that he was playing at, this is a great deal. He's had injuries that have plagued him in the last couple of seasons, and that has really kind of soured things for Marco Scandella. But if you go back to last year, guys, he was really good. When he got when he finally got into the lineup, he was a very solid defender. He did help your penalty kill that was struggling at the time. He gave you some productive minutes. So, you know, Marco Scandella at 3.2 million, although not ideal and not necessarily convenient at this point, that's not your that's not your biggest killer. It's it's not. And so I think with a guy like Marco Scandella, as you start to kick the tires around the league and, you know, see if anybody's looking for a player, a veteran player like that, he has a seven-team no-trade clause, so it's not impossible for you to move him to an organization. You know, but as far as waving him and buying him out, yeah, I don't know. Army's never bought anybody else, so I don't anticipate things like that happening. Question number four. From the 314, what is the best pizza in St. Louis? Okay, I'm the best pizza for me, it's easy. It's absolutely easy for me. Out in my area is a place called Max's Pizza. Ashley got me onto this a couple of years ago. I had not heard of them. She ordered this pizza, and it was phenomenal. It's a little mom and pop place. I mean, the owner and his wife, like, they make the pizzas and they deliver them themselves. Like, it's not like they have a bunch of employees. And it's awesome. It's got, it's that real crust, like the dough, like the homemade dough. Mm-hmm. And you got a, almost like a New York style slice. Not not exactly, but close to it. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. The buffalo chicken pizza with no onions, because I don't like onions, is fantastic. My kids love it. It reminds them a lot when I played in Switzerland. Um, there's a little restaurant right around the corner from us called Romataggio's. means nothing to people here. Although if you're ever in Bellinzona, Switzerland, <laughs> look up Romataggio's. Quick question. 
Do uh, never know, Anthony. True. Do people in Switzerland call Swiss cheese just cheese? Yeah, they just call it cheese. That mm. makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. I always wondered that. Mm. But back to the pizza. Uh, this little place was awesome. So authentic Italian pizza. Mm-hmm. They had the brick oven right there in the middle of the place. It slide that pizza in there and you come out and you got a little bit of the burnt crust on the edges. Like, so good. Nice. Max's Pizza is just like that. So I highly recommend Max's Pizza. Uh, for me, it's Montebello Pizza. It's off of like Weber Road and you would drive past it not knowing that there's a pizza spot there. You almost walk down. It's like a basement. And, and it's a family-owned place. It, our family loves it. It's fantastic. It's uh, th- you got to give them some time because they they cook it. They cook it as soon as like when you arrive. It, it, it's you know that they, they, they spend some time making sure that this pizza is, is perfect every time. But Monty Monty Bello for me. I don't think I have a favorite. I don't know. You just like it all. I really like JJ Twigs too. Solid the double, place. The double decker. Or whatever they call call that I think it's I think it's good they call it the double decker. I don't know. JJ Twigs double decker is awesome too. This is not a uh, specific St. Louis style of pizza, and I'm not saying this is the best pizza ever, but do you have you ever been to mod pizza where you can like yeah. it's sort of like Subway where you can like yeah, make I've your seen, own pizza? I've never been inside, but I've what? seen it. I like the concept of it. Yeah, you basically build your own pizza. You have your crust. And they sit there and they you go along just like Subway. I'll have this. I'll have this. I'll have really? this extra cheese. Yeah, and then they, kinda, they fire it in the cool oven. Concept and then you go sure. sit down and yeah. they bring it out there. Yep. It's interesting. I, I mean, bad. it's not the only place that does it like that, but I know there's, I mean, there's one right over here where we're at. Um, so you should check it out sometime, Anthony. Okay. Question number five. From the Thanks Dad account, uh, why aren't there analytics for telling a President of baseball operations slash GM when to buy or sell. That'd be nice. There is. The analytics are all around you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that most presidents are using analytics to determine whether or not they should buy or sell based on other teams performing. Uh, but to the to that to their point, to the Texas point. You have to have an understanding of where you're at and where you're going. And this notion of, well, we could still get in it. Yeah, you can, but what what are the odds? Do you have the right team? The Cardinals have shown the front office that they don't don't have the right team this year. So for me, the process started a week ago for Mo of figuring out who who needs to be on the bus and who needs to get off the bus. And what do I have that I can trade at the deadline to make my team better moving forward so I'm not in the spot again next year? To me, it's not necessarily about the what, although the what is important. The what is you need to you need start you need starting pitching. But it's more it's more about the who. Who do I keep on this roster that's gonna make a difference for me next year? And who needs to go? Is that it, Marsh? No, we still have one more. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm reading this text message. We, we get a texter letting us know that all pizza places allow you to customize your pizza. That's, I honestly <laughs> was thinking the same. I was honestly thinking the same thing. I I grabbed yeah, I grasped when you the walk concept. Yeah. yeah, Jamie. Jamie literally 
you know, was moving like Shuffled. like you would at a at a pizza shop that does this. So I got the concept, but I did that did cross my mind. I'm like, don't you build your own pizza anyways? Every time it's you call, it's cool though. There is a pizza too that uh, that certainly gets on the podium for me. I, I kind of forgotten about it. Text line did remind me, uh, Obi Clark's. The pizza is so good. I don't know what they put in that pizza. Maybe it's the amount of alcohol I have before I order the pizza. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I know I'm not alone on an island. That when you go to Obi Clark's and you you order the pizza, it hits I mean, the spot. Oh man, does it ever! <laughs> By the way, before we get to question number six from the three one four, hey guys, caught the end of the dinosaur versus turtle conversation, which mm. we had yesterday on the yep. sports six pack. Turtles won. You don't see any dinosaurs anywhere. Do ya? Got alligators and crocodiles, and birds. Birds, those are dinosaurs. I yep, guess, and those dragons too. Yeah, those Komodo oh, dragons. dragons. The dinosaurs are all around <laughs> you. He's just gonna keep calling Pacino on us. <laughs> He's just just gonna keep going back to the any any given Sunday monologue. Yeah, why not? I like it, Jamie. I like your Oscar spirit. Winning mm. movie. Question number no six. All right, from the three one four. What would Jack Flaherty get the Cardinals in a return? Let's talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. March just read to us off the Air Comfort Service tax line at 314-399-9646. We might as well just, should just have a uh, Jack Flaherty segment every single day. And as March just noted, we do. It's called the 5 o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. It's the 5 o'clock uh, Flaherty hour here on 101 ESPN. Speaking of Jack Flaherty, John Denton tweeting out about a half an hour ago that manager Ollie Marmel said imaging on the hip for Jack Flaherty came back clean and he will start on Saturday. No limitations. So here's the rotation. Montgomery goes tonight. Michaelis goes tomorrow. Wainwright will go on Thursday. Libertor and then Flaherty. Flaherty will pitch on Saturday. That's your rotation, boys. You feeling good? Okay. Yeah. I was listening to the opening drive earlier today, and they have they have Klaibs on every single, I don't know, every single week, I think. I think they got him on weekly, yeah. Yeah, Mike Claiborne. I think you're right. Here's Klaibs talking about, or you'll hear it in a second here, Klaibs is going to be talking about uh, Jack Flaherty, because Kerry Kerry asked him, "Well, Claves, would you would you look to sell at the deadline if you're out of it? Who are some of the guys that might go?" And Clay Claves was talking about what you could possibly get in return for Jack Flaherty. But I don't want to hammer the context here. So here is Claves talking about himself. Ken Rosenthal coming out with an article today where it says enough caution. Cardinals need to consider a bold action at the trade deadline with a picture of Paul Goldschmidt. Do you see a scenario where the Cardinals will be willing to part with Paul Goldschmidt? I don't. I think Paul Goldschmidt is a mainstay here. You know, he still has a lot of value to this team. And, you know, I know that we're at that point. And, and I do agree with, with, with Ken that, OK, we've seen enough what's going on and you obviously need to make a change in some capacity and i'm not talking about getting rid of the manager I'm, I'm talking about looking at this team and you know the the big concern was at at the end of last year going into this year and currently during the season pitching you don't have enough of it and it, you know when you look at some of the eras of some of these guys it's just not working 
And I think we've had enough of a size, and it's no longer a sample size. It is a true size of what you are. And you've got to figure out a way to do that. Now, the question is this. Okay, let's have a fire sale. We can trade this guy and that guy. Okay, so let's say you want to trade Flaherty, a guy on an expiring contract. What, what do you think a team is going to give you in return for a guy like that who is going to be an unrestricted free agent? Now, obviously, Goldie's more attractive because he has more time on a contract. But when we talk about moving a lot of these players, you have to think about what are you, what are you looking for in return that's going to help you now. And I just don't know what that answer is because a lot of guys aren't having productive seasons. So I don't, I'm not saying you're stuck with them, but you be, understand what you're going to get in return may not be what you think you deserve. And because, you know, teams know that, hey, look, we know he's unrestricted. He may go back to St. Louis. He may not. He may test the water. But at the end of the day, you know, the value of a pitcher or a player like that was probably greater in the offseason than it is now. All right, so Clave brings up some really good points, and, and I apologize. It was actually Brooke that asked him about Paul Goldschmidt, and then eventually Claves said it out there. Okay, well, what are you going to get for Jack Flaherty? And his, it was more of a rhetorical question, I thought. But for me, guys, it's not about what you're going to get out of Jack Flaherty. The question is, and Claves kind of hit that at the, at the end there, are, are you going to resign him? Do you want to resign him? If the answer is, to, is no to both of those questions, that, that's all you need to know. He's got to be dealt at the deadline. There's no reason to hang on to Jack Flaherty after that. If you feel like you can resign him and you want to resign him, I don't know why you would, but if you feel like you're going to, that's a different story. Jordan Montgomery, it's the same discussion. It's not about what you're going to get for Jordan Montgomery. It's, are you going to resign him? And by the way, you gave up a starting center fielder in Harrison Bader for Jordan Montgomery last year. So that is something that... Whose contract was coming up, though? Harrison Bader? Yeah, Bader just resigned, didn't he, with the Yankees? He did, but it, but he, he was still cost controlled. Yeah, but he would have cost you pretty penny. The, cost the you more than Monty. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't know. I don't either. Really. Go Again, though, you got you got Harrison Bader. You gave up Harrison Bader to get Jordan Montgomery. You gave up Johan Oviedo for. Two guys. You got Quintana and you got Chris Stratton. The Phillies acquired Noah Syndergaard at the deadline last year, gave up Mickey Moniak, who's now starting for the Angels. You can get guys that could start for you next year to give up Flaherty, Montgomery, whoever that's on an expiring deal right now. That's where I'm at on this. It's not about the return as much as it it is about, are you going to resign them? Yeah. I don't think you're resigning Jack Flaherty, quite honestly. Not that... I don't even want to speculate from the Cardinals' standpoint. I don't think Jack Flaherty would resign here. I could be crazy, but I I believe he's going to test the free agent market. He maybe he comes back to the Cardinals, but not without testing the free agent market. Not without dipping his toes in the water. Mm-hmm. So, what's your return for Jack Flaherty? I don't think you get much. Do you? Well, the Pirates, and I know it's the Pirates, Johan Oviedo is in the starting rotation for the Pirates. So if I were to say to you, you could get a starter for next year, it's not. you're right, it's not going to be an ace. It's not going to be somebody that slides in as number two when you're starting. But what if you were to get a starter for next year, for Flaherty? Do you think that's possible? Yes. Does he have to be better than Jack Flaherty? But Jack Flaherty, I understand your 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 question, Marsh. If if you can't sign Jack Flaherty, 
or you don't want to, it's moot. But you want to get a guy that is at least you want to get the somebody same caliber sure. when Jack Flaherty's on, right? Well, so let's 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 highlight that. We always have to say that <laughs> when it's he's like, on, it's like a disclaimer that comes with Jack Flaherty. When he's on, when he's right, when he's healthy, when you have that many disclaimers, it starts to to you know, I guess, diminish the value a little bit of the play. Sure. It, it paints a picture of inconsistency uh, performance-wise and health-wise. Uh, again, I'll, I'll go back to it. The Phillies acquired Noah Syndergaard, who was a rental, and they got, in return, Mickey Moniak, who's starting in their outfield. The, t- the Twins acquired Tyler Malley from the Reds for three prospects. One of those prospects was infielder Spencer Steer, who is now their starting third baseman. The Cardinals acquired Montgomery for Harrison Bader, who, when healthy, is the Yankees' starting center fielder. The Twins... I already read the Twins. Looking for other... Just just pitchers. Mm. There's one more that I thought I mentioned. Speaking of the Twins, though, I'd like a pitcher like Joe Ryan. That'd be a nice guy to have in your rotation. Yeah, no kidding. My gosh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there, those were... Those were Three or four examples from yeah, that a year would mean ago. You'd have to hand, you'd almost have to. Well, that would mean you'd have to be oh. evaluating talent properly. Oviedo. That would mean you'd have to be evaluating other teams' talent properly. That's true too. Because I'm still to pick out deal. to pick out. Well, yeah, Anthony. When it comes to those particular ones that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. but how many trades were made last year to pick up pitching, and the pitching is no good. The return was not good. So let's just, in a hypothetical world, we say you trade Jack Flaherty, but you picked the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And you end up with somebody who's in Memphis next year, and then he's DFA'd. What'd you get for Jack Flaherty at that point? Were you resigning? Nothing. Nothing. To answer your question, nothing. But that's so the I risk. I agree with what you're saying, but I just don't know. What's, what's the difference, though, if you don't resign sign exactly. You get nothing. Exactly. So if, so to your same question, you hang, you hang on to Jack Flaherty. You finish in fourth place, and he walks. You don't get anything for him. No. Because he ain't going to get a big deal in the offseason. You can't get a compensation pick for that, can you? Unless, unless he, I think it's based on, one, I don't know. Two, I believe it is based on the contract that the free agent signs. Gotcha. So if it's a, if it's a one-year deal, I don't think you get much, if anything. I think what's interesting about what Klabe said is that the original question was posed as a Goldschmidt trade, and we've talked about that, but then he immediately pivoted to pitching, and that's been the main problem with this organization mm-hmm. for not only this year, but you could argue for the past few years. So I'm not sure if trading Goldschmidt necessarily makes this team better because at the end of the day, it comes down to pitching. Well, it depends what you get for Goldie, right? That, that is fair. So here's the way I look at it. And I totally understand what you're saying, by the way, Marshy. I look at it from this viewpoint. If I'm John Mosellock in the Cardinals, every trade I make this year at the deadline is for pitching. Yes, I don't need correct. another outfielder. Agreed. I don't need another utility player. Agreed. I don't need another third baseman. I don't need like I have all of that. I've got a catcher in place. Whether whether we're happy with it or not, I've got a catcher in place. By the way, our guy BK, he just texted me. You asked about you asked about the compensation. Yeah, the compensation. Uh BK if you tender him and he signs elsewhere, he gets he gets you a second round pick. All right, so, so not maybe, terrible. Maybe so that is that. something that 
they need to consider. So and now you, you know what you pick with that? You, pitching with the second round. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. All roads have to lead back to pitching. I want to throw 100 pitchers uh, into a funnel, and hopefully one ace spits with, out the bottom. I'm with you. And you may think to yourself that's a dumb idea. It's not, because guess what? You don't have starting pitching right now. You have to get more bites at the apple. And and BK brought up you know, a great point. You could you could go the qualifying offer route. But you're talking about second-round pick. He may not help you for four or five years. I'm talking about trading him for somebody that can help you next year. It's not going to be Dylan Cease. But, I again, I mentioned, I've, I've used these examples. I won't go through it again. I, I mentioned examples of guys that, that are starting now for their teams after being acquired at the deadline last year. Can uh can the Cardinals take the same route as the as the Blues in terms of like I'm, it's a it's a hockey team Marsh they play baseball we've been I over understand, this but I'm I'm looking at the Blues defense this past year that was their biggest problem this year the problem is the starting rotation you said Jamie that defense uh, top you know a top defenseman is hard to come by you yeah. have to develop it or or what you have to go basically well, you got to pay for it you got to pay for it yeah I. To me, it's the same thing with the Cardinals. How do the Cardinals get to, you know, get to that? Uh, What I would be doing, if we're all bitching that the Cardinals can't develop these guys or they don't know what they're doing, great. You know who knows what they're doing? The Houston Astros. Get the Astros on the phone. Figure out who they want from your roster. The Rays. Figure out who the Rays want and then say, okay, uh, well, figure out who actually is good at I, I mentioned this before. So many times you're dealing, hey, let's make a deal uh, with the – I don't know the uh, the Tigers. The Tigers don't develop anybody. Let's make a deal with the Royals. They, they have they don't develop. They, that's a crap organization. Sorry, Kansas City fans. Wow. Sorry, Brandon Kylie. You, you had seriously. BK, BK thanks for listening. To, yeah. You had your two good years. Team stay. He doesn't speak for all years. of us. BK. And you know what? That's not even fair because Kansas City's actually developing some decent guys. But I, I couldn't remember wow. some of the the the, the Phillies. <laughs> Phillies are a perfect example. They don't. They they can't develop these guys. Make yeah, deals. Pay for them. <laughs> exactly. Make deals with teams that are going to that that have a sound farm system. Yeah. I would make deals with the Dodgers if I could. I would make deals with the Astros if I could. I would make deals with the Rays if I could. Well, what about the Matthew Libertor move? <laughs> they picked your pocket. They fleeced you. Is that an example though of they a fl- move that they you fl- would do? They they yes, if I could. On the other, obviously, be on the other side. So you wouldn't want major league ready talent. You would want. Prospects, if you're I talking would, about, I these would want give me all that pitching. I would want major league talent, gotcha. but, but with the understanding that Houston is in contention, they're probably not going to give. Unless you're talking about a 26, you know, a young guy, mm-hmm. you know, a four A guy that too good to be in Triple A, yeah. but he falls off the roster the postseason, i.e., Jordan Montgomery, who's and when he wasn't really a four A guy, but he just he wasn't going to be on the rotation for the Yankees, the postseason rotation. I That's just look at I'm it making. from a standpoint of. You have one pitcher in your rotation next year. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely right. You better stock the cupboards with some I'm pitchers. I'm with you. And shotgun approach, Jamie. Let's yep. try you out. And, you and I. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it, boys. <laughs> oh, my shoulder. Yeah, I'm again. I'm not going to be <laughs> what? good. Uh, Kylie texts. He goes, now nah, you had it right. The Royals are blank. Yeah, they don't have a top 10 or a top 100 prospect That's as the text line. Good. That's Let us know that all. Oh. All right, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Keep it friendly around here. Beat the streak. We need a new contestant. Do we have one, by the way? No, no we, need we need one. people okay. to text in. Text in BTS. BTS. Beat the streak. If you want to play, uh, we need a new contestant for that. Air Comfort Service sex line is 314 399 9646. We'll play Beat the Streak and also have our biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right.
right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN. Hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Time to play Pete the Streak in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. This is where we choose one hitter each to get a base hit in the Cardinals game. It could be a Cardinals player, it could be an Astros player in the case of tonight's game, but. If you don't collect that hit, your player doesn't collect a hit, obviously you start from zero. So before we welcome in our new contestant, Marsh, what's the standings? All right, Anthony, you are currently leading the way with five. That is your current streak. Jamie's at two. I am at zero. And then we have a new contestant, Oz, who will be joining us. And of course, he is at zero as well. Oz, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for playing today. Oh, thank you for having me. So Marsh tells us that you're from Jacksonville, Florida. Yes. Are you listening from I, there? I got my uh, picture taken with Lars a couple couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. nice. Okay, very cool. So are you, do you live in St. Louis now? Lost the connection with Oz, I think. Uh-oh. Oz, are you still there? I still got you. All right. Are you from St. Louis? Are, are you here in St. Louis now? No, I'm in Jacksonville. Okay, all right. Well, appreciate oh, you, you listening. listening. Yeah, appreciate yeah. you listening from uh, from Jacksonville. You're going to go third today, Oz. Okay. All right, so uh, with me, I've got the current streak, the longest streak. I'm going to choose Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros as my, of course my selection. Will. Kyle Tucker. Jamie, I don't appreciate the snide remark. Who's uh, your player? My turn? Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Not a lot of guys can hit the ball tonight against uh, <laughs> Framber Valdez. Yeah, it's a tough night. So. But I also feel like uh, the, anything is possible, Anthony, if you just believe, okay? Yeah. Just believe. All right, I believe that, um, let's see here. I'm doubling down. I'm going Nolan Arenado. He had the, uh, the, the bad game, the 0 for Gopher last one. You don't see two of those in a row very often for our guy, Nolan Arenado. Well, Jamie, it's a good pick. I hope it doesn't work out for you. Oz, who is your selection today? Why did you say that? Because you gave me crap with Kyle Tucker. Go ahead, Oz. Go ahead, Oz. Never mind, Anthony. Go with uh, Mr. Jordan Walker. Oh, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good, good selection. Pick, yeah. <laughs> yep, that, that's pretty good, Oz. Well, Oz is uh, smarter than us. Nice job there. All right, Marsh. I'm going to go with the guy who is batting 379 in his last seven games. He plays for the Houston Astros. Alex Bregman. Okay. Oh, Bregman. Oh, Bregman. There you go. So I've got Kyle Tucker. Jamie took Nolan Arenado. Our guy Oz took Jordan Walker. And Marsh took Alex Bregman. Thanks, Oz. Hopefully we get a chance to talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Let's beat Have the a good day, guys. You, Thanks, too. you too. You too. Thanks. Let's beat the streak. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, gentlemen. We get a text from the 636. Are Mo and the cards scared to fail? Wow. Okay. So I've actually been thinking about this 
um, for a couple of days now. Marshy, I, I know you've seen this movie too, but Marshy, this you'll remember this part. Okay. In the movie Miracle. Yes. Love that movie. When the, when the United States is up against the Soviet Union at the time, comes to the end of the game, and Viktor Tikhonov, who's had so much success, doesn't know when to pull the goalie or if he should pull the goalie. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing right now. He's never had to pull the goalie. They're not pulling Mitchkiff. John Mosaylock has never had to get bold yeah. like this. So, I don't know if they're, what was it, scared? Was that what the... Scared. Scared. I don't know if they're scared. Scared of failing. Or if they're just, it's foreign territory. Like, we're the Cardinals. We don't ever have to do this. We're always, for the last 20 years, I believe, we're always playing meaningful baseball till at least the last week of the season. Well, you may not be playing meaningful baseball last week of June, to be honest. And so this is uncharted territory for John Mosellock. How will he handle this? Will he come out of the other side of this and we have a whole brand new respect for John Mosellock? I just sound like Janet there. Or did does he come out the other side of this and we go, there it is. We knew it. We knew it. This team will not. They, they are risk averse. Mm-hmm. They'd rather stay the course and lose than to lose, but get better, if that makes sense. Army, or, uh, Marshy just brought up an interesting thing. He says, you know, Army hasn't always made the best decisions. Not always. He's not always right. But he's not afraid. He's not afraid to let Petro walk. He's not afraid to make a trade. He's not afraid to try and trade a player who has a no-trade clause. So it's going to be interesting to see at the end of this season... What does the legacy of John Mosellock look like through tough times? Jamie, I don't know if you can see my screen here, but uh, can you read off the, the word I have on the screen there? Or the words? Uh, that'll get me fired. No, 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 this one. Oh, that one yeah. there. Yeah, risk averse. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, Jamie. The risk averse. And it's a great call. It's a great, I never thought about it from a, from that the comparison there to Miracle. But they are, they're risk averse. Decla- they, they're reluctant to take risk. Nolan acquiring Nolan Arenado when the former GM for the Rockies was drunk off his ass mm-hmm. and accepted that deal. That's that's a risk that anybody would have taken at that point. Well, but the it's players, not even a risk. The players he sent the other way were no risk. That's what I'm saying. He was when when the former GM for the Rockies was hammered, ham sauce, couldn't tell you what day it was, and just accepted anything you threw at him. That's not necessarily taking a risk. Arizona needed to move. Paul Goldschmidt. That wound up. I thought it, that was a better package of players in Carson Kelly and and Luke Weaver, and then they had another minor leaguer in that deal. I thought that was a better package of players than what the Rockies received from for uh, you know Nolan Arenado. But again, that was a deal in which Jamo Zalak knew and took advantage of. He gets credit for this. Knew that Arizona was their backs were against the wall. They weren't going to be able to resign Goldie, so he made the move. Made the move knowing no that you get full just one year. There's no risk. There's not the same risk as it is to trading Goldie right now. I don't think, and that's one of the reasons I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's, I think, I think there is a sense of, despite 
maybe some sort of uh, he became he's they, the Cardinals organization organization has become tone deaf to the, how the fans are right now. They're pissed. I still don't think that they're going to make this bold move in fear of we need to make sure that there's still X amount of people coming through the gates at Bush Stadium. So in I don't think they're going to rock the boat. In in reference to like the pressure that. You know, Cardinal fans have put on the team, the front office. Uh, John Mozeliak was talking to reporters, and he said, I would hope the Cardinals are not allowed to rebuild. When I saw that that quote, it made me feel like he, like the way he was talking was like he wasn't a part of that. Does that... Did, well, well, he won't be he part won't of be. a rebuild yeah, very That's an long. interesting point, Do you know Mark? what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The way that I read it, and of course, you know, I, I could be completely off, and I probably am. I just thought that was weird. No, I think that was that, an... I think instead that's of saying, like, we, because he's a part, he's a part yeah, of it. He's the right. one that made this. That was interesting. I think that's a really interesting point, Marsh. How I would take that then would be he wants to make sure that he leaves the next general manager, whoever that is, in a good spot. And I wonder if they've talked about that. If he has talked about that with ownership and the ownership said, hey, even though your contract, you know, you signed the two-year deal, so you're going to be here for another two years, do not go go Dave Dombrowski style and leave the cupboard empty. <laughs> yeah, but the, listen, the ownership has to approve everything anyways. Very true. So, you know, Good Mo point. is always under surveillance because anything of significance, he has to run it up the food chain. Yeah. We have another interesting quote from from Mo. Um, and they said, you know, or he said, as we sit here on the 23rd of June, this is when the, you know, the, the reporters asking him the questions. The 23rd of June, we still don't know exactly which path we'll walk. From a front office standpoint, we have to start preparing. Mm-hmm. Another thing, like, I find it interesting that you you still don't know what you're going to do. Well, I think, so Marshy... I get it. Yeah, like, he doesn't know, like, a week and a half from now, they could be four games back. Yeah. And and, and, and who knows, maybe that maybe other teams that... Or they could be 12 games back, right? right. So He doesn't know what the market is yet. Yeah. But shouldn't you know what kind of team you have? Yes. Because we all see it. Yeah, but but it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense for him to say, hey, we're going to be a seller right now. Oh, I get that. Yeah, and you also... If you're close enough, your decisions will be different than if you're way out of it. For sure. You're not going to wholesale if you're right there possibly to win the division. And if you're way out of it, then maybe you do consider a Paul Goldschmidt trade. I, I'm with Anthony. I, I don't think they do. No, they don't. No, they I don't. I, I, they could be I would. 15 games out of first place, and no. I still don't think they'd trade them. No, they don't have the Huevos Rancheros to do it. That's a good point. And Jamie, you got a big huevos rancheros, so you're gonna make a move like that. You gotta have huevos rancheros the size of church bells. Exactly. Where do you find those at? What store? Here, oh, I'll you gotta you. grow them. You gotta grow them. You gotta grow them. Out in the yard, yeah, homegrown. Yeah. You don't just you know, just walk down uh, aisle seven at Costco. Okay, you gotta well, grow them things. Yeah, and if they had those at Costco, you could get them by the bulk. Probably no people Costco. Big. Yeah, people that's true. would, but then they'd be kind of fraudulent because you're purchasing. When right. you produce them, yeah, it's, it's real. different. They're yep. fake. Yeah. Well, they're not fake. They're just, they're not they don't yours, mean really. as much. They're not yours, really. They're not yours. They're somebody, they're... Else's, somebody else's huevos rancheros. And then, are they really yours or not? Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. Uh, what you missed, criticisms, compliments next. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Instant replay coming up from 6 to 7 here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. But don't forget, you can download the podcast. If you missed anything from today's show, we got you covered. Go to 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Talk to our guy BT today. He joined us for the first hour of the show. Jamie with some great takes on the Kevin Hayes trade as the Blues acquire him from the Flyers. Great deal. Jamie broke it down. Uh, he put a little spin on things, too. He compared the Blues to... Uh, a, a very good team, damn near great. Nope, they were great last year, certainly. Made some interesting comparisons to them, so you want to make sure you check that out. Do we actually understand analytics? Jamie and I got very passionate about that segment and, of course, broke down a lot of the Cardinals' discussion about the trade deadline, whether or not they should trade. And, Jamie, I feel like you've come to the dark side when it comes to Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, absolutely. Welcome. Welcome, my brother. Thank you. We've been waiting for you. <laughs> Criticisms and compliments. What do you got, Marsh? Yeah, I want to start off with one from the 314 in reference to Jamie making a joke. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but I'm sure this one applies for all of them. You sick SOB, LOL. There is no show that comes close to the fast lane. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Very much. And you're probably correct. What's our motto, guys? Uh, no one is safe. Nobody's safe. Nobody's That's safe right. Yeah. Fast. All right. Will that do it for us, Marsh? I think we're up against it, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I look at Anthony, I'm like, we got to go. Yeah. Yeah, Jamie's not wrong on that. For Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, <laughs> I'm Anthony Stalter. We appreciate everybody being tuned in today here in the Fast Lane. Again, instant replay coming up now. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.